Welcome to episode 221 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, as the sun is setting, it's Randy Michael Stan. Yes, sir. What's up? I just turned on my light. Hopefully, we're not getting any sort of feedback. And I, I just, we, we also had to turn on multiple lights here as uh, we've been podcasting for most of the day today. As the sun has set. Uh, uh, Randy, how, how's your day been today outside of... The 19 hours we've been recording. Uh, it's been good. I did my usual and woke up at uh, about 6.20 a.m. and took a little jog, got some coffee, and made some breakfast, and just been sitting here all day. So Jim Randy's still in, in full force? Yeah, a little bit. I ran like uh, 1.5 miles this morning. Not, no, nothing are we crazy. Doing, are we doing a, a, a daily jog, a semi-daily jog, a bi-daily jog? What's yeah, going on? I tried to do bi-daily. Now, by, by every daily, other day, not twice a day. Back. Thank you so much. <laughs> also, uh, jogging with both men and women. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Joining us in each and every one of these episodes in the intro portion is Oksana Valerina but Osachi. Hello. Oksana, you've been uh, by yourself for most of the <laughs> Sunday. How's everything going? Um, it's so much warmer in this room than the rest of the house. Even is it really? The heater is running. It feels totally fine in here. Yeah, no, it's nice. And if I you go downstairs, really never said that in this room. <laughs> this room's very um. Man, this room is opposite ends of the the spectrum. If my father was a room, it would be this room. <laughs> it's both hot and then cold. There is no middle ground. <laughs> what, Katy Perry? Yes, the Katy Perry room. Uh. Joining us uh, this week is director, writer, producer, Michael Arcos. Michael um, is a friend of a friend of this show. Friend of our friend makes you a friend. You understand? That's how our relationships work. If you're a friend of a friend, then guess what, friend? You're our friend. He's a friend of Bill Spataro, who's been on the show many times, and uh, will be on the show many more times, because uh, sometimes we just don't want to worry about booking and we just bring on the hits baby so uh (laughs) michael actually directed um a couple features uh excuse me a couple shorts that uh, we are very fond of and uh, unfortunately most of those i don't think are available right now but uh, he he gives us a little bit more details on uh, when uh, these uh, can be more available to the viewing public as uh, some of these are newer ones, uh, but uh, Valerio's Day Out is out, I believe, right? Is it on YouTube, Russ? It's, it's public on Vimeo and on YouTube. There we go. Thank you so much. I also watched uh, Valerio did a quarantine update video with Netflix recommendations, which include Roar. Oh, <laughs> um, boy. Tiger King, even though uh, the Tiger King's a jerk, and um, Cat People. Cat People? <laughs> yeah. It's Valerio's... Netflix recommendations. Uh, There's a lot of cat talk, uh, especially in the first 20 minutes of this, as we sort of dissect. uh, I think there was a good good cat talk there, as I sort of explain uh, my aversion to cats. And then we we try to break that down psychologically, Oksana, because I know cats are very near and dear to your heart. I love cats. So we try to get down to the brass tacks of why Clark doesn't like cats but appreciates cats because i think that i'm i am uh, born in the year of the tiger so i think that personality wise i am a cat that's why i don't really get along with them but you're self-loathing so you have to hate cats i get it whoa 
Is this what's been happening for five hours downstairs? You've just been waiting for fucking left over here? I didn't know you guys were talking about cats. Gee whiz. Also, right. cats is now streaming on HBO Go. Well, what are you waiting on? Uh, I'm not going to watch it. Randy, you <laughs> must watch this movie. HBO Max, pardon me. Oksana, what's coming out this week? <laughs> well, <laughs> not a whole lot. <laughs> but um, as I was looking through Instagram one day, I found out through a post by uh, Brett Glassberg that Derelicts is now available for a limited time on the Kings of Horror YouTube channel. Oh. Because I guess they have um, exclusives and premieres, which are up for free for a limited time. So Derelicts is available until December 24th. And it is a Thanksgiving movie, so... Yes, it is. <laughs> also features two guests of the Overlook Hour. Yeah, so Brett Glassberg, who's the director, he was on episode 114. And David Lee Hess was on episode 160. And on one of the, uh, was it Lookies? I can't remember. He called in. Um, oh, yeah, he called in a Lookie. So Derelicts is um, about some derelict hobos who invade an upper middle class <laughs> upper middle class home on Thanksgiving. It's violent. It's really good. That's going to be available until, until December 24th. They also have... Um, Noise in the Middle, which will be available until December 10th. That synopsis is, After the sudden death of his wife, a grieving father takes his nonverbal autistic daughter to an experimental therapy and unknowingly rents a haunted B&B. Ooh, sign me up. (laughs) So that's until uh, December 10th. And then they also have The Night They Knocked, which is available until December 17th. This one's... During their last weekend together, a group of friends staying at a reclusive mountain house suddenly have their fun interrupted by a knock at the door. That is a hell of a poster. (laughs) Mamma mia. See, I don't know if it's supposed to be a Halloween movie. The guy has... Is that John Wayne Gacy face paint or... Yeah, and he's holding a baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. Crazy doesn't need an invitation. Brother, I agree with you on that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything else? Nope. For any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those at podcast at overlicktheater.com. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not even my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hours available on Facebook is The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hours available on Instagram is The Overlook Theater. The Overlook Hours available on Twitter is The Overlook Hour. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy, Randy. As a uh, loyal member of the Roxy Cinema for the last like seven years, I'll just say check out their virtual cinema. They got good stuff and uh, you could catch up on some of the fire film recommendations uh, that I've been talking about on here. Fantastic. Four. Randy. Michael Stanton, Russell, John Fisher, Oksana, Valerian Nova, Osachi. I am Clark William Little. Uh, before we throw it to Creepy Clark, um, I just want to wish everyone... Have a great Friday, you motherfucker! <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Yeah. It's Friday or Thanksgiving? No, Thursday is Thanksgiving. I should know these. Oh, things. happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> this episode comes out on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Ha, ha, ha.
cemetery. When I asked her what was wrong, she told me that no one came to her funeral. Oh, God. <laughs> Clark, you Clark, fucked what it did up. you do? <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, that what? was bad. You work with this fucking asshole? We just got into an argument before. I, thought, I, I was totally sleeping at the wheel. <laughs> Creepy, I apologize, Russell. I apologize, Randy. No apologies. God, that was a good sentence. There's good two of them. Who wrote that one this week? Uh, what the fuck should we even call them? East Bay cinematographer Josiah. I mean, a rotating uh, <laughs> third chair, fourth yeah. chair, home invasion. Many, first of all, we need to confirm <laughs> how many rotating chairs do we have here? How many rotating co-hosts? I don't know because I feel like we've got a lot. Like in, in the terms of like. Um, you know, the Tonight Show in the uh, Johnny Carson era. You know, Jasadi's uh, G- almost like our, our, our uh, David Brenner. You yeah, know? yeah. But we also got like Birdman. And, and Madeline, Madeline is our Don Rickles. <laughs> <laughs> R.A.P. to both of them. Wait, Don's dead, right? Don, 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 Don did pass away. <laughs> Don, 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 Don did. Don, Don did pass away. God, it sounds... That sounds like he sounds like a, Don did sounds like a uh, like a Vietnamese action star. Don did. Now the Randy other cut thing. That up. Also, when you when you're uh, operating the soundboard, you gotta you gotta push Creepy Clark out too. Don't let him sit there. He's creeping me out. Yeah, like no one's <laughs> no one's addressing me at all. You know, I'm just sitting here. Is everything good? You all good? Yeah. Your time's up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I hit the wrong button. He was just hit by lightning. <laughs> he took it well. <laughs> Fried him out the door. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, pardon me. I was dying. Yeah, are you okay? You yeah, need, I'm you okay. Need some uh, agua? Dude, right before our interview today, I thought I was seriously losing my voice. Dude, your voice I was know. fading. Yeah, it was bad. Your voice was fading. Yeah, I have a little bit of. Uh, you need some water. <laughs> you're, you have water? you're holding Mountain Dew. I really thought you were going to offer that to me. Would you you need like, a little bit. No. Would you like some Mountain Dew Zero? Put it's in a koozie. Sh- put some sugar in. The- My God, that is a tight koozie. I know. Is it- so, Randy, uh, full disclosure, um, <laughs> I'm I'm supporting a uh, a 20 fluid ounce plastic Mountain Dew Zero bottle, uh, which is. Betwixt in a Overlook Hour podcast. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with the plastic bottles of the Mountain Dew Zero variety. Let me go ahead and walk you through it. It is ribbed for your pleasure, uh, for your gripping pleasure. <laughs> you can see the bottom half, Russell, as you can see. Yeah. It's a, this is a voluptuous bottle. Mm-hmm. This is a curvy <laughs> bottle. This is a bottle where if it was a woman, I would be sexually attracted to it. Oh, okay. As you know, I like curves. And weird proportions. And weird proportions. <laughs> so I put it in the koozie to, to let the koozie do its job. But then, then it, it forms to the bottle. And so it honestly looks almost pornographic yeah. to some degree. It looks like a TLC tugger. It does look like a TLC <laughs> tugger. Like a tight one. Shout out to last week. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I threw his, um, a link to his store up in the show notes. So if you're Hell yeah. looking to grow it back an inch a year. Also, <laughs> we have checked uh, the view count. The view count's gone up about 400. Oh, and yeah. I think <laughs> it's over like our bump. Yeah. All right. So John Wilson can take what he wants to. I think that's an OH bump. Yeah, we'll take it. Also, just referred to us as OH. Thoughts? 
I don't, don't like it. I don't either. T-O-H? Toe? T-O-H-P? Top? That, would that be top? T-O... I can't spell. Yeah, you know. T-O-H-P? <laughs> tope, I can't even imagine tope, top. letters in order in my head. I have thought... We don't have a good, like, acronym. Top is strong. Top. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, silent man. H in there. I know. Uh, Randy, how's the, how's the weather over in Oakland today? Is I think the sun is finally coming out and it, at three p.m. on a Sunday, and we're about to lose it in two hours. It's going down too. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I'm the opposite right now. It's starting to get dark already. <sighs> I don't probably have to throw my light on while we're recording this episode. This was one of the longest weeks I've had in recent memory because I was working remotely all week, and so I've just I've been out. Not only am I out of uh, physical shape. <laughs> I am out of commuting shape. Like this week uh, yeah. wrecked me, man. Like I had to go over to the East Bay every damn day this week, and uh, you know, one day I had to I had to be in Hayward at six a.m. Damn, it's awful. But I tell you, no one's on the road on that bridge. Half hour commute, half hour straight, a half hour. Like. Because no one goes, no one commutes to Hayward. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, your reverse commute too. So that's nice. It's 100%. So well, and that was not bad at all. I mean, the COVID traffic is like, it's back. It's almost like regular traffic. I figured, yeah, I figured like the uh, the Bay Bridge would have been way worse because like I, I felt zero traffic. Yeah, you got lucky. Yeah. That's, yeah. Even though we're in the like, let them eat cake era of fucking uh, our governor's um, career oh, <laughs> with our new. <laughs> I saw I saw that picture finally. Oh, you did? It's clearly indoors. Oh yeah. He's clearly indoors. He wasn't shouts out to French laundry. I know, right? (laughs) Why are they called that? So it it used to be an actual French laundromat. Oh fuck that. Now uh, now look, I I will whatever Thomas Keller wants to do, I let Thomas Keller do because I he's arguably the best chef in the world. Thomas Heller Keller? Thomas Heller Keller, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What who is he? Uh, one of the most renowned chefs in the world. Oh, the host of uh, Kitchen Nightmares. So Thomas Keller <laughs> actually had a restaurant in Vegas because uh, the, the French Laundry is world-renowned and is typically on list as being the top restaurant yeah. in the world, not mm-hmm. just the U.S. Um, and he's got a bunch of uh, offshoot restaurants that he's got in that area. Um, and But the thing is, is that he's never really pivoted into the celebrity chef like if you know thomas keller then you know food oh (laughs) you know what i mean because like if you know if you know guy fietti you know tv oh my you don't necessarily know like the food culture that oh man i felt like the most stinging humble brag i'd ever heard no i know i'm being very genuine because uh, like most people don't really know thomas keller because there hasn't been like that exposure, like he hasn't hosted a reality show. Yeah. So he had a restaurant in Vegas and that failed. Oh, okay. Failed because it just didn't work. And he doesn't have that name like a Morimoto, you but know. Is this food? Oh, well, I guess Vegas wouldn't really matter, right? Well, like- Vegas, I mean, it does. But see, that's the thing is that with Vegas, it's not just good food alone is going to get you. Yeah, you you gotta have you like, gotta have that pizzazz, some Arnold you know? memorabilia. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like you know a Bobby Flay or a, you know insert any other uh, Roy Choi, or Ramsey or Roy Choi, Roy Choi, Roy Choi. I'm a Roy Wait, Troy, Troy of Roy 
Yeah, I dig him. I can't say his name again. <laughs> what about Sam King Cook? What? You you don't know that that show Sam King Cook? Sam King Cook? Yeah, am Sam I, the Cooking Guy? Am I getting that wrong? Sam can cook. Is that a thing? I know uh, Sam the Cooking Guy. Sam the, was that a YouTube dude? Yeah. He's okay, maybe YouTube I'm right. Sam can cook. There you go. I don't know. Like, yeah. uh, that you know that um. I know Uncle Roger. First round draft pick uh, for the Cardinals that I used to work for mm-hmm. at Roundtable. Yeah, he uh, he collaborated with him. Oh, okay. And uh, he talked mad shit about that dude. Really? That's the only reason why I know him. I, you know, honestly, uh, knowing that dude, uh, my boss Phil, it, that might not have Rosen Paul, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> but fuck, I wish if uh, if I knew we were gonna get in a weird um, uh, laundry talk, I would have <laughs> pulled up that apology. Because have you heard uh, Gavin Mussolini's <sighs> apology? He's such a douche, dude. It's brutal, and he's clearly lying. And then the photo came out, and it's like. My God, they are <laughs> so clearly indoors. And you know, again, this is not unusual. Yeah, this is what happens, especially when you don't have like a purple state. You get people yeah. who are very comfortable, and it's like we could do whatever the fuck we want. But and- see, like, it, yeah, and just the and just it also compounded the fact that he's at the French laundry I, with lobbyists. The, the with lobbyists yeah. for a birthday, the <laughs> douchiest thing on the planet. Yeah, I've heard conspiracy theories saying that uh, they think the lobbyist might have put the pictures out. Because if you're a lobbyist, essentially you're a dude that gets paid money by whoever, whomever. See what I did there? Yeah. I knew you would have. Yeah. By nice. whomever. And uh, you're more valuable if you can say, I'm the guy that sits with Gavin Newsom on my 50th birthday at the laundry during a quarantine. Like, you're worth money. So that dude... That's a payday for him. You know where the French Laundry is is pretty much next to, right? I have no idea. Is Bohemian it? Grove. Oh, really? oh, yeah, that's right. It's all right there. Ooh, let's it's get our boy Alex. Let's right call there. him. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you go to the French Laundry to be seen. Yeah. And to, you know, it's a thing. Like, if you, if any of us wanted to go to the French Laundry, we have to book for, at this point, probably 2022. Yeah. I've heard it's at least a year. Yeah. And you're looking at mm, probably 300 to bet- without alcohol. Yeah. Three to 500 a head. But I mean, I heard like they got the best onion rings there. <laughs> they, got a, they got a mean nacho. Dude, the chili cheese <laughs> at the French laundry. They got Frito pie. Oh, man. <laughs> what the fuck do they serve? Hella good hot dogs. Now, see, the, but see, that's the thing. He's got a. Um, Talking three. Randy, Randy, did you watch uh, him on. Uh, uh, somebody feed Phil. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, so he's got he's actually got an offshoot restaurant. I think it's called Ad Hoc, and they do more classic American fare. Oh, but like his big thing is like, oh, our our most popular dish is steak frites. What the fuck is that? Steak and French fries. Oh, okay. And uh, he's got to give it a different name. Yeah, <laughs> and then they they were like, oh, we're doing our version of a Twinkie. And like they're doing all this stuff, so like that's what that's what chefs do. Yeah. See, that's why um, you know, like pork cheeks and all that shit got popular because you know, in is in you know, coming from the south, like that's just how people survived. Yeah, is that you use the whole pig, and <laughs> then that became like a challenge to chefs. Oh, of like, hey, I'm gonna use this. Uh, pig ear and i'm gonna make a fucking souffle out of pig ear yeah they're like because i can i get it they're like they defunded the pigs what are we gonna do it's like (laughs) yeah 
supply is low. So, you know, that's that's the whole thing. Yeah. Add, you know what? Maybe I'll throw it in the show notes. His apology. Just yeah, people look at that. All right. But, you got yeah. more food talk? No, I'm in. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if anybody will be able to notice, but during the interview, I really wanted to point out that you were eating candy corn still. Wait, it's you like left it waiting. on the table. I know. Facing my direction. To tell, okay, so the first bag migrated back downstairs, and me and Chuggy took an edible and fucking killed it. This bag ghosted its way up here. Also, I, I got permission to take that second <laughs> no, bag up Also, here. we're in November. It should be gone. So please, yeah, eat them. We're, we're in the deep. Do you want some? No. I can't. By the way, you know, you know that I have to eat and drink on air. Yeah, I know. I have to have something to do. I get it. You know, and honestly, um, I hate hearing people chew. It yeah. doesn't bother me when you do it. For because some reason, I'm adorable. the only thing that gets to me is the ice. I don't know why. I, but I don't do the ice anymore because it's, it's not. Well, uh, I heard one, the ice today. You got ice in this cup over here. What cup? You didn't even oh, know there, there was, was a cup ice. There. there was ice. <laughs> there was ice in that. Yeah, that is true. I thought you meant with this thing. So I generally drink water out of a French press carafe. Um, and in the summer months, I fill it with ice. Now, the issue with <laughs> you fill ice and glass, it sweats like a mother. Oh, did drip, you drip that trail all through the house. Bro, I mean, this was WAP. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> a oh, pot of macaroni? It was a wet-ass press. Oh, women yeah. as president. <laughs> all right. All right. Play me in. Let's just do this. <laughs> I should do something new. Anyway, you gotta get that. You gotta get that. You gotta love that. You gotta tease that. You gotta fuck that. You gotta make love. You gotta do it quick. You gotta do it slow. You gotta suck the tit. You gotta fuck the dick. It doesn't matter, baby. It doesn't matter what you do, baby. As long as you're doing it with love. If 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 you're doing it with love. That is Mark Ribier. With bisexual <laughs> Jesus. I believe that was God singing. So Russell's queuing this up as on Friday. Um, this was the, the third iteration. Yeah, the third one. Of Your Mom's House Live, uh, which I happily... We'll do anytime they did it. I also, Russ, the one you haven't seen is Tom's other pot. Tom has like nineteen podcasts. I know he's got now. two bears, one two bears, cave. one cave yeah. with Burt Kreischer. I don't, I don't think it's your speed, so that's why I didn't bring it to the table. But they, they do a lot of sports talk. They right? did, they did a live episode. It's Burt is obsessed with a certain male porn star, and they brought him to the table and they interviewed him. Um, he's actually from Oakland. Oh, okay. Uh, but he's very famous for his tattoos. Oh. Uh, he has very intense tattoos. Type in... Um, like Heart Mom? Like um, that kind of... Owen Gray. <laughs> Owen Gray. Come on. You, Owen- you throw me these names. I can't spell that. O-W-E-N. Okay. And then I think it's... Uh, A-Y or E-Y? I, let's go A-Y. Uh, let's try A-Y. Can I Related to Sasha. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, porn star. Yeah. Porn I mean, star. we use star lightly. It is AY. Oh, these are all taking me to Pornhub and X videos. We'll just and- go to images and let's see okay. what happens. <laughs> <laughs> roll the dice. 
Okay, yeah. See, look, he's yeah, he's got very strange tattoos. Show his leg. Where's the leg one? That's got like the alphabet. Oh, this one. Yeah, look at that. All right, we'll use this video of him being docked. Oh, he's getting pegged. Or pegged. Yeah, my bad. So, Randy, very his, his right leg from the kneecap down is completely black ink. And okay, then, yeah, I'm looking at and, it now. And then spawn from that is a bunch of letters that go all the way up to his thigh. Man, how am I going to put this in the show notes? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could, I'll figure it out. But, uh, it nice guy. Owen Gray. He's got a lot of uh, creative moves from what I see here in this oh, he's, image. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you something. He works hard. He plays hard, too. Um, yeah, but with, with YMH, uh, you know, they have a better acronym than we do, even though I, I think top is a grower. We'll get we'll get some mileage out of it. Uh, the small grower okay. like me. <laughs> I had to find it. No, uh, dude. So the first one was you know we're we're paving new ground and we didn't know what to expect and it was a lot of fun. Joey Diaz had uh, his um, scrote hang out. There were a lot of highlights. That was the second one. Was it? Diaz was the second one. First one was just his parents. Oh, you're right. Oh, I confabulated them. The first one was kind of short then too, huh? They were all at least three hours. Really? Good. The first one only had, like, they had the video segments, and then the second segment was with his parents, and that was it. You're right. Yeah, you're totally right. Okay, so part two was, uh, was butt heavy. We Very had a lot butt of heavy. prolapse. So uh, many prolapse butt- buttholes. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, the, the grand finale, I'll go ahead and spoil it for you people, <laughs> were two prolapse buttholes uh, intermingling. Yeah. Anyway, if you don't know what that means, don't Google it. It's probably not for you. Please don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, also, according to Dr. Drew, uh, they were minutes from death. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, in the third one, uh, you know, in the second one, he did bits, too. He had, like, some sketch comedy. Yeah. I wasn't, like, a huge fan yeah. of it. It it actually felt like it slowed But it was down. a big production value. Like, they put money into these things because, yeah. dude, they've got to make money on these things. Because like they, they gotta be because it's done it's done pay per view style so um to to access it it's like ten fifty yeah and I I don't know how many people watched this one but uh, it was uh, number three trending on Twitter yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah um, I think people yeah. were checking it out we we got to get more on the uh, two screen I Clark I think you would love the two screen experience. Where you watch yeah. live shit and then you you weigh into Twitter, yeah, because you're you're on your phone anyway. That is true. But Instagram is <laughs> kind of like you're looking at you know the algorithms telling you this is what you want, Clark. I know. But I mean, you go on Twitter, you can you could talk shit if you want. It's just for whatever reason, there's a repulsion of Twitter for me. Well, if you're in a niche group like so, Reddit, I think I felt the same way. Yeah. But dude, the Cobra community, they've been good to us. And uh, shout out to you if you're listening now, because I've talked to people on there who are like. Hey man, what's the pot? Like they're really like, like if I guess if you connect on a weird thing like fucking King Cobra, yeah. But you're clearly like a normal person. Otherwise, there's a bond, and I think uh, your mom's house has been doing that for a lot of people. So well, thank you for any of Cobra Nation who tunes in. Yeah, <laughs> dude, somebody just put out a. Uh, I trans- share your grief. A Transylvania hunger shirt. You'll know uh, if you're a fan of black metal. You'll know what I'm talking about, no, and I it's do. Wyoming hunger. Oh boy. Don't worry, I ordered one. Um, so, <laughs> did you really? <laughs> yeah. I straight up told them, I'll order two if it gets you to make them. Oh, man. But there are so many people. There are so many people. Uh, but so I think that this third one was uh, the best one. And so that we queued it up with the song by Mark Ribier, who did a special uh, intro and outro songs uh, for the live event uh, that were fantastic. 
And uh, we also had uh, guest appearances by uh, rapper uh, Danny Brown, who I'm a big fan of. Yeah. And then uh, Tom's sister um, showed up. She was great. And then uh, closed it out with Robert Eiler, who is known as uh, AJ from The Sopranos. And um, they they sort of, he sort of stages it. I feel like we had more clips in this one. Yeah, a lot more. And so he saves the heavy segment for the last one. But there was some fucked up shit in the in all three segments. And um, Randy, we saw a guy's nose get cut off <laughs> with a katana sword oh, at a frat it? party. <laughs> Is this Chinatown? Bro, Randy, it's fucked. And it's not even that far-fetched. I mean, the dude's like in a limbo position, and he's got a wiener in his mouth. And I mean, the nice. kind that we talk about on Three Friends all the time. We're yes. talking a long hot dog and uh, a, a sausage. And it's one of those things, I think Clark was really disturbed by it, because both of us growing up probably did a ton of shit A hundred percent. That's why I can't, I can't watch it again, because I just get filled with anxiety, because like, I feel like I got away with like yeah. not having that, because I, you know that I shot myself with a BB gun, right? Well, that's that, this scar I have here. <laughs> and I think about this all the time, because I was, I was an impulse away from just shooting, from shooting my head shooting your eyes i was like i was so i was so cocky with it because i was like no there's no bbs in here so i was just i was showing off it's like look this is just a puff of air and i shot my hand and i felt a horrible sting and it was bleeding and then i felt the bb in there and i oh it went in oh it went in yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and i had already shot my foot nothing came out and then i shot my hand and then they thought i was fake i was like no i I shot my hand. So then this was also, we were minutes away from leaving for vacation. Oh, that explains your hook. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, so any stupid shit like that, I feel like well, I've just gotten so lucky. Cause that, that could have happened I to think me. Most adolescent boys think that though. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it's suburban white people shit. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which I don't understand. <laughs> I, I hit myself in the head with a baseball bat that was made out of metal. <sighs> I know dude. Like the stupid, stupid shit. But do you remember the one thing that got you off the path? Because I've dude, I uh, flirted with skateboarding for a long time and mm-hmm. I used to video a lot of it. And uh, I was one of those people I could never fucking Ollie correctly. And I was like, that was goofy. It was all fucked. Not goofy. It was Mongo. Is that how, when you pedal it incorrectly? Candygram for Mongo. Dude. And uh, dude, I fractured my elbow riding the skateboard. I wrapped a pole and fell into the. Yeah. And I, what was the thing? Oh, we were talking about it in the uh, kitchen. I hurt my leg at a, yeah. that stupid Seven Dust concert. But that's not what did it. <laughs> what did it was the day they took the cast off. I went out and I played football and I was like, you know, I'm going to be smart. I've learned. I'm just going to, I'll be all time for this team. But like me and Clark were talking about the, the best kind of catch you can get is an interception. And I got one. I'm like, I'm running this back. And then I tried to juke somebody and I blacked out. And I think after that, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to stop. Yeah. I adopted the fingerboard. (laughs) (laughs) The only safe form four wheels. I have gotten away. Like I was so close to so many disasters. Yeah. Like um I remember the first time I like I figured out that fluorescent light bulbs exploded. That could have been way worse than it was. Um I almost flipped my car the day I got it because I was <laughs> doing donuts in the yard. Wait, did you ever hear Madeline's story about the fluorescent light bulbs? No. I'll I'll be quick. It's paraphrased, but she told me um 
She's like, did I ever tell you about when I got mercury poisoning? I went, uh, no. I was like, from what? And she's like, gas. She said she went on vacation and came back home and she just started feeling terrible. Like every day was getting worse and worse and didn't know why. Went to the doctor and like, you have fucking mercury poisoning. What happened was she was a little New York punk or New Jersey. I don't know where she's slumming it. Anyway, her friends broke into her apartment and threw like a fucking all night rager. And they brought those light bulbs in and were smashing each other with them. But of course, they didn't vacuum or anything. So all that shit was just in her carpet. Oh, my God. And she lived her life with it. And uh, she died shortly after. R.I.P. Marbles. Now she's gone. <laughs> and now her story God, is that's ours. That's horrible. Yeah, right? Ugh. Yeah. So anytime I see stuff like that, I'm like, because <laughs> I just ha- I have empathy for these stupid assholes. You know, when I was ru- when I was going to college, community college, yeah. and I was drinking tea every day. Oh, boy. And I was reading books, and I was very proud of myself. Mm-hmm. I wrote a... Uh, Lovecraft inspired short story that kind of articulates what we're talking about where it was a uh, nuclear family and uh, uh, the lead was male. It's, you know, it's what I know, write what you know. And uh, he was, um, it was an inner monologue about how he started to question if his commute to his children's school was uh, a track, like if it was something he could escape. Well, he lived up on like a hilly area, kind of like a devil's pass out here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he decides to try the railing to see if like he's trapped. And yeah, I thought it was very cool for oh, writing man. that. I bet if we read it now, it would be fucking embarrassing. <sighs> it, would be, it would be so terrible. Dude, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, yeah, man, you know, like we're all in this fucking, you know, this capitalist like trap and we're just going to work every day and we can't break out. That's- yeah, but you got to have that stuff. You know what I mean? Like uh, you build off that. Or you bury it. I, <laughs> I mean, go back and listen to episode one of this show. Oh, or episode zero where we open up with like midget talk. Yeah. Oh man, I was terrified to do those episodes. Anyway, okay. I do have. I do. I don't have like clips pulled or anything, but I thought we could uh, play a game of Clark. Do you like this guy? So you know how on um, all those food. Remember when we were talking about you doing that uh, food review thing? Which yes. we should fucking do it. We I'll should eventually do it. But you know how it's a, you always gravitate towards older men in a car. They always, <laughs> they always have like unflattering angles and they're weird. <sighs> yeah, but and I hate watch it. I found a dude that uh, this whole thing we're doing right now. This segment is do you like him? Uh, he does movie reviews, but he's fucking weird. Or I don't know. I'll let you be the judge. Here's uh, him talking about Baby Yoda. Again? Again. So. The Mandalorian get under hot water because Baby Yoda ate the eggs of the frog lady. <laughs> the frog lady, she had all her eggs of her children in this thing, and Baby Yoda went in and ate all the children. <laughs> oh, Baby Yoda ate all the children. <laughs> it's a frog lady. Okay, so <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> Now, uh, he's a typical, boring, bald, white dude. I mean, you probably see him at a Home Depot and, you know, he's in a car. I think it's driving or you think he's pulled over on a highway. He's not driving. Okay. I I hope he's not driving because his (laughs) head is completely down. Yeah. And uh, he's got his seatbelt on still. He does have a seatbelt on. He might be driving. 
And it, so I, I don't know. I feel like he may he should have his seatbelt on at all times, no matter where he is. Uh, should have a fucking helmet uh, on. You beat me now. Here's here's the thing I wanted to do with you. I wanted to show you his uh, page. Oh, he's got a lot Columbia. of shit. And, uh, and it's all the same. Uh, your wanna... mom's house would call this a uh, cool guy angle and cool guy lighting. Okay. Now, uh, you want to pull a random one up? He talks a lot about Tiger King. He's got a... Uh, oh, he's talking about things. Tiger King from three days ago. So he's, uh, <laughs> he's, got... he's real up to date. Joaquin Phoenix. He's got an action Hell movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, I would like to hear there's a new Tom and Jerry movie, but it has a twist. Oh, okay. Right here? Yes. All right, let's go with that. 10 he's, views from four days these ago. These are unvetted, so sorry. <sighs> Good start. Hmm. Well... <laughs> I got a unique one here. I don't know how I feel about this. That's what we're saying. Y'all can help me. Um, Again, might be driving. I just saw a trailer for Tom and Jerry. Yeah, you know Tom and Jerry. They got mouth. They like to go after each other in a hail of slapstick fun. What? <laughs> no. They kind of got pussified since the 70s. Whoa! <laughs> Stop it. Damn. Stop. No pun intended. Okay. <laughs> Go back three seconds. I just want to make sure he said pussified. Oh, pus- you don't want to hear the the hell fury of... Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I want to hear that again. Let me, let me, let me, here we go. Hell of slapstick fun. All right, well, a little bit more. Each other in the hell of slapstick fun. That's... Even though it got... They kind of got pussified since the seventies. Pussified, like, y- y- dude. That's disgusting. I feel like I could smell this guy. Oh, you a hundred. <laughs> oh, for sure. There's a little bit of like Walgreens aftershave <laughs> mixed with, um, I'm gonna say Funyuns, and uh, man, what's he smoking? Is he a weed guy, cigar guy? We got a pipe? I don't know. So here's the thing. His his mouth is very peculiar. So <laughs> most of the time when you talk, you're either you're either top top talker or bottom oh. talker with your teeth. Don't tell me that. This is something I think about all the time. I'm now, a top talker. Okay. Bottom bottom teeth people, they kind of freak me out. He is Looks toothless when he talks, but he's not. Yeah. And his teeth actually look okay. No, no, he looks good. Yeah, his teeth look okay. So I don't think he's a smoker. <laughs> I also don't think that there's any sort of um, recreational drug use. If anything, he's a pill guy. Oh. That's, that's what I'm guessing. That's scary. He may be a boozer, but I also, he may have a plate in his head. <laughs> that's, that's yeah i think you're on to it like he he speaks very slowly and um yeah there, there there may be more to his backstory yeah that we are not privy to at this uh time but yeah the, the he he is filming at a very unflattering camera <laughs> angle it's almost straight up yeah where we get the full uh view of his uh multiple chins and the hood of his car which is not drooping no, it's not drooping, and I'll tell you, it looks looks, looks pristine. This car looks very clean. However, <laughs> the the car seat looks very strange because the headrest looks like something that would be in like a minivan, yeah. or like an Astro van. 
It's got like that gray checkered pattern. <laughs> so I, I don't know what kind of car we're in. I'm going to, this seems like some sort of utility van. Oh, that's, yeah. That's yeah. a good guess. We, it's we, like a cargo van. Yeah. I, that's what I'm thinking. All we right. are diagnosing the hell out of this guy. <laughs> and uh, again, I'll throw these videos up. Do you want to stick around and find out what the twist is? Not or? really. Uh, All right. I got one more from him. I didn't know we were going to have uh, so much fun. But he, <laughs> here we go. Uh, he's on location now. Okay, before you play it, let me break this down. Okay. I, I feel I'm, I love this guy. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm on the same level, and I'm about to educate all of us here. So, A, he's in a graveyard, which, <laughs> you know anything about me, I feel at home already. <laughs> Russell, if you'll notice, he's wearing a hat. Yep. Can you read what that hat says? I, I was thinking it said, shoot him? Yes. So it said, shoot him. Shoot him. Okay. That is a reference to a uh, television series off the History Channel called Swamp People. (laughs) And that is a phrase uh, that Troy, uh, one of the uh, most... He is he is the the gators hunter gator hunter. Oh, you understand? Okay. Yeah. Like you've got comedians, comedians. Then you've got the gator hunter gator hunter. It's like dog to bounty hunters. Yes, and Troy. <laughs> yes, Troy is the he's the apex of all gator hunters, and his uh, catchphrase is "chew him, chew him." Hey, and so he is. A, uh, I like this guy. All right, you ready to hear? Let's hear. It. Uh, hey yo, I'm at the Woodman Cemetery. In DeKalb, Texas, D-E-K-A-L-B, a little town outside of Rockwall, Dallas, the hometown of Dan Blocker, Haas <laughs> on Bonanza, <laughs> and this is where his grave is. Yes, yeah, so he's here looking for Haas, who's buried. This guy could be my uncle. <laughs> like, I... I feel very at home and very at ease with this guy. Upon second viewing, this guy is, he's a nice guy. Oh, yeah. He's very innocent. Um, again, I, there could be a plate involved. <laughs> you see his channel name? Geeks, Graves, and Good Stuff. <laughs> oh, man. You, you have hit a home run. Well, do you know, I, yeah. It's kind of weird how I found him. How did you find me? Because that video has 81 views. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing here. Um, He did a video on this new nothing story that was getting pushed around about um, people driving to Canada to have moose lick their car. (laughs) (laughs) He did a video on it. It's a, wait, dude, is it? Randy, he just did a video on uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Also, so. Uh, again, to tie in with Michael, our guest and uh, avid cat fan. Yes. He's Ooh. got. It, hmm, you don't want to say that around Michael. <laughs> uh, he's got a video called Hey from Me and Cutie. It's fucking disturbing. All he, right. He doesn't talk and there's a cat involved. How long is this video? It's too long. I'm not going to play it. And there's no audio there. Okay. But uh, I'll throw him up there. I highly recommend people dive in there and have fun with him. And then uh, how much how much time we got? Do I have enough time for another segment? I'll I'll make it brief. Um, let me queue up another unvetted video. What up, body bags? BDG reviews here. Um, <laughs> I'm back this week. It's taken a while to get my camera working again, but it's back now. So is it? Yeah, 
I know. What I'm reviewing tonight is a movie that has been called The Room of Horror Movies, and that is uh, Veronica by Glenn Danzig. Oh, he said Glenn. The first time okay. I thought he said Gwen. Gwen. Anyway, I, I was looking... I was really kind of disappointed at the lack of weirdos reviewing Veronica. But I just wanted to use it as a segue to bring up the fact that uh, a couple of podcasts that I listened to both reviewed Veronica oddly now. Did it open wide or something? Like why? I think it's been out for over a month. It's been right? out for a minute. Yeah. And um, everybody fucking hates it. So now I feel like I'm a weirdo out here. I root for that film so hard. Also, how do you feel about the comparison saying that it is the room of horror movies? Oh, I think I think people are trying to find the language to talk about things yeah. that, you know, there's no dialogue for. So I understand why they're comparing it to that. But, you know, what they're saying is like, oh, it's terrible, but I had fun. Yeah. But again, we're here where people are just hardcore shitting on it. Now, um, the, the podcast I'm referring to, uh, the two main ones are Radio Nasties. There are a couple guys in the UK. They, uh, their format is they get together, um, sit down, and one of them's like, this is what we're watching. Then they stop recording, go watch it, come back and talk about it. And uh, it's an interesting format. They were so just like, this is the worst movie. I, I hate it. It's not worth the time. And it, there's like 45 minutes of them just not really uh, articulating much, but just shitting a lot. Yeah. And then there's uh, the, um, you know, the show I'm a huge fan of, Scary Thoughts. Yes. They recorded their longest episode yet, and it was just it was just Mark and Chad. How long? Oh, I don't. Randy, how long are we talking? It was like an hour forty, I think. Yeah, it's probably like hour and a half, something half like that. Half of a regular episode of ours. I know, I know. Yep. But um, I don't mean that as a bragging point. No, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but those fools, they're so articulate and they're um, educated, and they've just got great insight. And I'll tell you, for a movie that I liked. Hearing uh, a, a podcast that I root for go an hour 40. Neither of them liked it, by the way. Yeah. I was like, dude, that, that was a, it was a great episode. They actually, I, so here's the thing. I'm a, I'm a Chad fan. I thought if it was going to come down the line, I'm like, Mark's tight and I'd hang out with him. But ultimately, like, Chad's my, my boy. I'm I like a that Chad dude. fan. After that episode, I think I'm a centrist now. Oh, dude, Mark is he could fuck with us. He he is a big fan of uh, the the genre that we love so much with the troll twos and the birdemics. And mm-hmm. he's got a lot of knowledge there. He actually told a story about seeing uh, Coven play out here and feeling at odds because it was a hipster crowd who wanted to come punch down. Yeah. And I'm like, Mark, my man. So also <laughs> Ra- Randy pointed it out. Uh, they must have got Chad a new microphone or something. They sound great. So I, I don't know if that was any deterrent to people, but if you dropped off listening to that show, go listen to it. And again, I've dropped the ball. They've reached out a couple times to have us on there. And I've been like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. But our schedule's so tight and I kind of don't. You say that, but I th- are you scared about my behavior on the show? I've, I've mentioned that. Well, <laughs> no, it, I don't, I wouldn't word it that way. I'd be like, dude, we're going to go on there. We're going to dumb down their show. That's what we do, baby. We dumb it down for mass consumption. Look at our numbers. We're on top of the game, baby. We're going to get hate mail from their fans who just are all finished publishing new dictionaries and shit. Yeah. No, we are disruptors, dude. Also, I think we have appeared on a a few programs. Do we fail to plug them all the time? Or does Oksana do that in the intro? I know we've been on Desmond Flicks twice. We've done... um, 
Kush, he has the microdose. We've been on there before. Oksana does a pretty good job of mentioning things that we do because we do a very poor job of doing. But the fact that we're both here and we're like, I don't know, <laughs> is not a good thing. Well, again, wait, we were on another podcast too. What we've been on a couple other ones. I can't remember their names though. I don't remember things because like I'm... a year ago. What was the one where they were doing the beer ads? And we're like, how come we don't do beer ads? Everything I learned from movies. Steven Izzy. We were on their show. <laughs> so if you want to hear me and Clark derail other podcasts, uh, they're out there. And also, if you got a podcast, invite us on. We'll fuck yours up, too. And then we'll say, yeah, come on our show. And then we forget. And then I know. How fucked up is that? You know, I, I was trying. I got the three friends. I got Cinematic Oblivion, who officially announced they're done. Well, we got one third of the three friends. We got one third. We got Mickey Jake. Yeah, but Cinematic, what the fuck? We also... The disturbed Mickey with a rape movie. <laughs> Windows. Oh yeah, dude, oh, Windows. Yeah. Pure the- tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for that one, Randy. I didn't. Did I recommend it? Uh, I think. No, I think it was my fault. I think actually. it was you. But Randy watched it first. Randy watched uh, forty-two bridges. Right? Wasn't that? I the was one? twenty-one bridges. Yeah. Randy told us it was seventeen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched it. I just know about. Uh, yeah, the story behind how they got the number of bridges wrong. Now, Randy, have you seen Veronica yet? Uh, that's a negative, and I don't plan on it. <laughs> what about your mother? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Danzig and early Misfits oh, stuff. Has but... your mother seen <laughs> Oh, no. I, I, she, she recommended Death Blood 4. That's as close as she'll get to mm-hmm. horror movies. That's legit, though. That's good. That's real. And um, I'll mention, I don't have a long relationship with Danzig. I've uh I have an affinity for muscular men, so I've you know I've kind of rooted for him <laughs> in that way. True. But um, I don't know. I went into that movie, and the only thing I knew was that all my hardcore friends kind of thought he was a joke. Now, so I went in there, and I was kind of like, okay. And then I I had fun, and I thought he actually handled it really well, like a movie where everybody's laughing at well, him because he's known to be like uh, famously quick triggered, right? Well, I again, all my hardcore friends, which Randy is, in, I include in that. <laughs> Uh, mostly they, they're like, oh, Danzig, and they show me a video of a hardcore kid punching him out. Have you, are you a fan of Jim Brewer? No. You know, again, we want to talk about metal, and uh, Jim Brewer mostly makes me angry. Yeah. And I think it's not funny anyway. Like, not like, don't make fun of that, but like, dude, this is hack. Like, that's some hack shit. Yeah. But the problem is I'm too close to it, and I realize, you know, yeah. Judas Priest is entry level. He, I believe he got in a fight with uh, Danzig. Oh really? Yeah. Oh well, that makes him cooler. Yeah, I can. I, I let me pull that up. I think it's an O and A thing. I'll try to find that, it. That that makes them both cooler, yeah. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, when we covered Veronica, I believe we had Dave O'Shea on. So if you want to hear, if you want to like hear the proper Dave O'Shea, opinion, big fan of Veronica. Yeah. Dave O'Shea, who was kind of nervous that whole time. I, I don't know. He's I, always nervous. I mean, our my experience was so different, and um, Chad was a big dancing guy. And I think he related it to his experience with the Kiss movie and just like, oh, I was a Kiss fan. And then I watched that and I went, oh, maybe I'm not anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't have that. So I don't know. I Yeah. I don't know. Veronica, watch it. It's great. Or you know what? Don't watch it. Watch it with me. (laughs) We'll have a good time. Oh, one quick thing before we throw it to Randy. And I I, this is my failures. Um, We didn't cue anything up. But Randy, uh, Russell and I discovered a new sport. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's the name of that thing? I think it's called Tech Ball. Tech Ball. Oh, T- yeah. I play it every weekend. T 
T E Q You fuck B A L L. Randy, give this a yeah, T E Q B A L L. Give this a quick uh googs. Uh-huh. Randy, um and there there's a game uh from the World Championships that's on YouTube uh that features a six foot Brazilian girl who is uh my new lifelong crush now. Um, so here's tech ball. It is a combination of volleyball, soccer, and ping pong. So it is essentially a warped ping pong table, which we learned, um, is copyrighted. Uh, they've got a patent on the tech ball, uh, uh, table. So it's, it's like a, um, it's, it's just like a ping pong table, except if you were to curve the middle. So the ends are facing downward. So yeah. there's a pitch to it. And you basically get the ball one bounce on each side, but you can only use, it's soccer rules. You can only use your feet and your head. And um, man, it's wild. I got breaking news though. Uh, I guess they just got canceled because look at the title of their events. <laughs> For the 2021 Asian Beach Games and the African <laughs> Beach Games. <laughs> Oh, those are two continents. Yeah, and uh, dude, the shit is fucking dorky, and it t- it looks like it takes so much skill just to even fucking play the game. Yeah, it's like who is this for? It's it's wild. Man. Like we would be terrible at that fucking. And game. it's uh, the game started. They it was invented in 2012, and was started uh, professionally. I think in 2014. I think we should just create our own game, <laughs> and then we'll make a YouTube channel for it, and then we'll cash in, cash out. What do we do? We cash in or out? I think cash out. Cash out. Okay. I mean, you got you got to cash in to cash okay. out. Okay. <laughs> Clark uh, can kick pretty pretty high though. He might be good at tech ball. Dude, I I thought I could kick high. Then I saw <laughs> then I saw this Hungarian dude. Oh. Who, oh my God, Randy. His he had this crazy donkey kick. That like it's it's like you got to get up there. You got to get vertical with your foot and then come down because you're spiking the ball like a volleyball. With, yeah. But with your heel. It's insane. Yeah. I, I kept calling him Daniel Tosh, which uh, to tie that back into uh, your mom's house, they, they took a clip from uh, that I was uh, that put was put on my radar by Daniel Tosh. And it's the one with the ski lift that goes out of control. Horrible. I, but it's funny because that is not graphic. No, uh, I don't even think there's like any blood or no, it, it's just traumatic. People get thrown in the yeah. snow. But I think that one affected you near top. Like you had an adverse reaction to that because I've been on a ski lift and I hate those things. I hate ski lifts. I hate gondolas. I hate them more than anything. I hate a little fucking where I'm dangling from a cable. I hate that shit because I'm terrified of heights. So when this, when I saw that go crazy, that was just the culmination of all of my fears I've had for 34 years of my existence. Yeah. That this could happen. It's it's kind of terrifying. It was not good. Also, I'll point out as fans of found footage, I think it really helped um, just having it vertical phone style. Because you know when you're watching vertical phone shit, yeah. something gnarly is going to happen. Yeah, because they're just boom. Yeah, and also it's like if you're not turning it sideways, I, I feel like uh, the relationship with the content when you have a, a horizontal phone is like, I'm trying to capture this moment. Exactly. That's, yeah. what, that's what I mean. It's like, I've just got to pull this out and record it right there at the moment. Yeah. And I don't give a shit about the yeah. aesthetic. Yeah. It's like Roger Deakins <laughs> is in here right now. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll definitely put that video in the show notes too. So everybody can share in the terror. Love Roger Deakins. But if you ever want to get your eight hours of sleep, just turn on that podcast for a minute. 
<laughs> yeah. I tried listening to an episode and I, I gave up shortly after I started. I've listened to, I think, three or four. There's some good ones, but it, it has to be gas dependent, you know, because Joel Cohen was good. Um, oh, guest dependent. I think you said gas yeah, dependent. Yeah, I, I <laughs> Guest dependent. Uh, Gyllenhaal was good because Gyllenhaal's Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And uh, I think I tapped out. Who bored me to tears? Oh, um, Denis Villeneuve. Oh. He kind of didn't do it for me. But mm. uh, you know who was great? Sam Mendes was great. He was great. <laughs> wish he was. Uh, wish 1917 was worth talking about, but it's not. <laughs> All right, Randy, you got some movies for us. Oh, I didn't. Fincher did this. Yeah, oh, man. God. Randy, I just rewatched Zodiac two days ago. Oh, nice. I've been meaning to rewatch that eventually, but uh, it's it's, it's a great rewatch. Re- it's very dense, so it's 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 perfect for a rewatch. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I saw David Fincher's new film, which is playing uh, a limited release in theaters before it hits Netflix. December 4th. Um, so this was my, my first time back to uh, the cinema uh, in a, uh, a public screening. Um, went to the Embarcadero after work one day and there was, we were in the biggest theater at the Embarcadero and there was me and maybe two, I don't know, 75-year-old people about 10 rows behind me. That I, you killed. Yes. <laughs> that With sounds COVID. like an Embarcadero showing. Exactly. Yeah, right one. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, it was it was good to be back. It it felt very safe. They did the uh, screenings and stuff at the front, um, and yeah, uh, you know, Tenet couldn't get me back into the movie theater, but but David Fincher did it. Um, so yeah, Mank is about Herman J. Mankiewicz, um, who is who was a screenwriter, um, and this movie is about his battles with Orson Welles over the screenplay credit for Citizen Kane. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I actually didn't know a whole lot about this. I kind of, um, you know, had attributed everything from Citizen Kane to Orson Welles uh, as well, just because that's kind of what I what I had heard about. So uh, this movie is about, um, yeah, him struggling to kind of get credit because it seems like he wrote all, if not most of it, with some sort of like collaboration a little bit with Welles. Um, So Gary Oldman plays Mank. Um, so Mank, uh, is a sort of erratic fellow. He's an alcoholic. Um, so like there's two, essentially like two, uh, timelines of the movie. Um, one is essentially him, um, after he gets in a car crash, which is where he starts writing, um, the screenplay for Citizen Kane. And then it does a bunch of flashbacks to, um, sort of him working in the industry, like a lot of like great shots of like, um, backlots and studios and like cool sets and stuff. Um, and then there's also flashbacks to him, um, in San Simeon because he was a friend of, uh, Hearst. Um, so he would hang out there a lot. And, um, yeah, that, uh, that all kind of goes into the writing of the screenplay. Um, and yeah, right. the, is yeah. Hearst portrayed in this movie. He is. Yeah. Who, who, who is, who plays Hearst? You know, I'm not sure. There is a ton of people in this movie. Uh, the two main people that uh, you would recognize are Gary Oldman and then uh, Amanda Seyfried, who plays Marion Davies, who was Hearst's uh, mistress. <laughs> Something like that. Um, 
but yeah, there's there's the the cast is huge in this movie. Um, oh, guy, so she she plays um, Hearst's mistress. Yeah. Okay, so she is actually now, Randy and and Russell and I will disagree on 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 Citizen Kane until uh-huh. the sun boils the sea. Because uh, uh, Citizen Kane, I, I just it will always hold a near and dear place to my heart because it was just a my introduction, um, really with with film. Honestly, is as, mm-hmm. as hacked that is is just true because uh, uh, it was it, one of the first college courses I ever took. It was Introduction to Mass Communications, <laughs> and um, we spent a lot of time talking about Citizen Kane, and we actually watched it. And then I watched uh, corresponding documentaries that was done. I think Frontline did a documentary on it. Uh, PBS is actually very good, and then HBO did the. Um, uh, What's the guy who's Ray Donovan? Well, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. That guy. He he did that RKO uh, movie. Okay. Where he played Citizen Kane. Okay. So I, I, anything I could to learn about the history of that, I learned. But anyway, so Amanda Seyfried plays uh, the mistress to uh, William Randolph Hearst. And from the, I, what I learned in that PBS documentary is that Rosebud is actually a reference to what he called her vagina. Oh. Yep. Really? Yeah. Yep. That comes up in the movie too. I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> oh, yeah, if funny. you, uh, you know, oh. if you're a, a fan of Citizen Kane and Wells and kind of just that old Hollywood thing, um, I think you would definitely enjoy this. Like I said, it's going to be out on Netflix on December 4th. Um, and interesting that you didn't know Fincher shot this because... I wouldn't have guessed having just watched it either. Um, first, I don't think I've ever seen Fincher shoot a black and white movie. Yeah. And he definitely knows how to shoot a black and white movie. It looks uh, incredible. It's very much um, filmed like a movie of the 30s and the 40s um, with like sort of the uh, the sets and sort of there's a lot of like fades to black, um, a lot of the lighting and even like the acting style and the writing uh, feels very much like a, you know, like a polished version of like a 30, 40, 30s or 40s movie. Um, yeah, it's really good. There's a scene towards the end um, with Mank, uh, very drunk at a dinner party at Hearst's um, estate in San Simeon that is so good. Um, Gary Oldman is, yeah, he's he's great at playing a, a drunk curmudgeon in this movie. <sighs> no, I have to see this. Now, I, I, I didn't really invest a whole lot of interest in this project because it just seemed like on surface level alone, it just seemed like, Oh, this is one of those little Oscar grab movies. And that don't get me wrong. I love Gary Oldman, but it just seemed like, you know what it felt like? It felt like, um, what was that Brian Cranston movie that y'all watched and hated? Oh, I have no idea. About, uh, 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 Trumbo. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It felt like that. I get it. But this is not that right. Randy. No, this is uh, okay. yeah, much better than that. It also like, Having actually, I don't even know if I saw the trailer, but having just seen like uh clips from it, I kind of it's not really like the artist either. Like, the artist is definitely like a love letter okay. to like Hollywood and stuff like that, but it doesn't feel as I don't know shallow as that movie does. What about Brian Prosane's The Fartist? <laughs> Continue. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. I think it's uh, it'll be it'll be pretty close. Well, maybe not to the top, but it'll be in my like top. 2025 probably for the year 
Dude, I uh, so whenever we talk about films, I try to get every film even mentioned for the metadata. And while putting in Citizen Kane, um, Citizen Canine came up. Uh, shout out to them, dog and boarding in Oakland. Uh, in Oakland, oh yeah, dude, Citizen Kane. That's great. Now, Randy, w- where do you fall in the um, with your viewpoint in with Citizen Kane in general? I don't know. Pretty close to you. I haven't rewatched it in like. I don't know, close to 10 years probably. Um, but I don't know. I could see how uh, it can be a little bit sleepy, but I don't know. I think it has a good historic relevance and all that. Yeah. I mean, look, for historical relevance, relevance alone, for sure. But again, I, I'm a sucker for any journalism movie. And I, I think that there's a lot of interesting uh, you know, talking points uh, ju- solely within the narrative. I, I like the story. Of it, and I, I just again, I, I think that it's a um, sort of a Rosetta Stone for modern <laughs> cinema. Yeah, yeah. So you're gonna wank to mank, dude? I'll wank. <laughs> All right, I'm in. Randy, uh, where where was this letterboxed? Uh, I think I gave it four. Nice. Yeah. God damn it. All that. And I, th- I was like, are we gonna go four, four and a half, dude? Four's a four's so- a lot. I the, know. The, see, the the last four and a half. Uh, you gave was to Black Bear, and that was so Randy and I had a conversation earlier this week where um, Randy's like, "Y'all give me a hard time over these ratings." <laughs> We're like, "Dude, it's just like we we don't expect you to go over four. So when oh, you yeah, go four and a half, because uh, you gave Uncle Peckerhead a higher rating than I did, actually. Yeah, I gave it a four. Yeah, I, I had a hell of a lot of fun with Uncle Peckerhead. <laughs> but again, I I have, dude, I think. Because I've been on Letterboxd for, I think, two years, but I didn't do anything for like a year and a half of those two years, if not more than that. Mm-hmm. And I I look back at my ratings then, I'm like, I was way too hard on that movie. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm more, I'm, I'm pretty liberal with my star ratings. Because I'm just, why be an asshole? Why? <laughs> I, I don't, that's my thing. I was like, what is my criteria of this? <laughs> You know, if I enjoyed it, can I quantify that with the star ratings? And then, like, what what is keeping me from a max star rating with this? Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you've come around. I mean, uh, it's weird to hear you articulate that after we just had, like, Jonathan on the show, who's a dude we gave kind of a meh review of his film. And then he comes on and we talk, and we could talk about it. I gave it three and a half. I stand by that. Yeah, but I mean, just the verbal review we did on here. Like, like as he, but again, even, even as he said it on the show, that's open for interpretation because upon second hearing of because he said he listened to it several times (laughs) and it wasn't as harsh. Um, but I think when I opened up the segment saying that the title can go fuck itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then we all riffed on it. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I will, I will take the hit because I, I sort of set the table on that. Yeah, but I'm just saying everything's more nuanced than that. Sure, for hundred yeah. that, percent. That's why when we were doing the Overlook thing, which we haven't been because of the quarantine. Which honestly, I feel like we should just put together a Zoom thing once a week and like open it up. I don't know legally if we could do that, but we could do something. Randy could help us out. He's an engineer. But yeah, I don't know. I just try to tell people: don't be the goddess cinema. Just you know, uh, reflect on what you liked. And I think Randy does an authentic. Uh, interpretation of that. I don't think Randy's like, 
oh, I got to give this a four and a half because no. David Fincher did it or something. You yeah, know? I mean, I'm just saying we we all have our different criteria that we meet, and I'm just saying I I, I become looser than not looser is not even the word I would just want to say. <laughs> not I, a, is that a real word? I'm just uh, I give higher ratings than I used to, and I feel good about it. Oh, it's because you're medicated. <laughs> that, that may be true. I walked in your room today. You have a ton of edibles right when you get in the door. Well, brother, I, I just I just re-upped yesterday. Okay. Nice. okay. And I have not transported. So, uh, Randy, I have a uh, I have a drug coffee mug. It's a um, a couple of years ago at a I as a part of a work white elephant gift exchange. I got a toilet coffee mug. Oh, and yeah. so I put all of my drugs in that uh, <laughs> toilet coffee mug. So it is generally filled to the brim with edibles. Are you, nice. are you about to leave? I have to pee so bad. Randy, he, okay. was, he was about to walk out of the room, and then he went, I have to listen to this. I think you picked up on Mike. So I think people might be able to have <laughs> hear it. But he sat back down and has been dancing in his chair. So I already went job. pee once during this recording, so I feel it. All right, Randy, start with your second. I'll be right back. Yeah. Speaking of edibles, uh, the next movie oh. that I'm about to talk about would probably be great on edibles. Oh, God damn it, Randy. Just I gotta leave, pay. Clark. God. He, you did it again. He was captivated. <laughs> Keep uh, going. I'll, I'll catch him up. It's called The 20th Century. It's directed by Matthew Rankin. This is his first feature. Um, it is being distributed by Oscilloscope, and I watched it via the Roxy Virtual Cinema. And the movie portrays a fictionalized version of the rise to power of former Canadian Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King. And it is, yeah, I don't know, some French PM. Uh, I never knew anything about him until this movie. Dude, PM, that's tight. (laughs) I I knew you, yeah, I'm with you. That's the lingo. Um, But yeah, this movie is super bizarre, very absurdist satire comedy. Um, I haven't seen a ton of Guy Madden, but it is very reminiscent of like a Guy Madden film. Uh, Meets like the sort of sets and visual style of like German expressionism or like propaganda movies. Um, All the sets are like big and like super colorful and like non-realistic. There's a lot of really weird stuff in it. Uh, there is an ejaculating cactus. Oh, shit. There is an uh, endurance tickling competition in it. Wait, um, is, so I think the trailer, when you go into IMDb, it has yeah. a uh, old gentleman holding a cactus. Is, is that the cactus that ejaculates? Yeah. What? Um, Sorry, I had to reiterate that because Clark was walking back in the room. I wanted to punish the, him. Uh, yeah, our, our character, William, he's also uh, got a William fetish. William? Yeah, <laughs> he's got a fetish for a boot. Um, and there's a lot of, um, just like not crazy casting choices, but like a lot of, uh, casting choices where like there's a, a man that plays, uh, William Lyon McKenzie's mom. Uh, there's a couple women that play men characters. Has McKenzie's mom got it going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, the director, uh, Matthew Rankin himself described the movie saying that it's one part Canadian heritage minute and one part ayahuasca death trip. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's super, super bizarre. I, I don't think I've seen much like it, um, ever. So yeah, if you want just this really bizarre, it's, I guess it's sort of like a, a satirical biopic, biopic, biopic of, uh, William Lyon Mackenzie King, the Canadian prime minister from back in the day. 
um, give this one a shot. It's uh, it's 12 bucks on the Roxy Virtual Cinema. Russell was going through the pictures. I have no idea what that movie is. <laughs> oh, yeah. You yeah. He was it's talking a, about production. It's like Guy Madden by way of like German expressionism and like Soviet propaganda films. All right. You, you had me with Guy Madden. You just yeah. heard Madden. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, Guy Madden. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's just very bizarre. It's like absurdist satire comedy. It's like kind of raunchy humor at times, but okay. um, it's a fantastic looking movie. I, I waited. Ron Madden? Come on. <laughs> I waited until sort of later in the day yesterday to watch it just so I could get like, you know, maximum uh, a darkness in my room. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a trip. You were waiting for the DMT to kick in? <laughs> yeah. What is, what is what has Guy Madden been doing? Besides the Green Fog like three years ago or whatever? I don't oh, know. Yeah. Russell, you didn't go to that, did you? No. That was interesting. Yeah, that was fun. I believe it sold out. And then... It uh, didn't it just show the one time at SF Film? I think yeah. so, yeah. I think it was just a, a one-time screening for yeah, that. And I think, I think that they curated it for that thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy with any of the words that just went out of my mouth. What'd you do in the bathroom? No, here's the thing, guys. I have to. I cut my own hair these days, and Same. I cut my hair today, and I hate it. <laughs> it's horrible today. And like, if have you ever cut your own hair? It's very difficult to no, do. I've never cut my hair, and so I'm cutting it with scissors now. I'm doing. I'm not just doing the the clippers. I've got scissors in there. You got a good YouTube and video? I missed to teach it you? in the back. And now I just noticed this giant clump of hair that I could have <laughs> fucking cut. I'm sorry. Get a YouTube uh, in- instructor. It'll help. A YouTube instructor? Yeah, like Google, how do I cut my hair? I'm no. sure you'll get 48 No, 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 no. Let me, let me explain something. <laughs> I have never read an instructional manual in my life. <laughs> okay? I just figure it out on my own or it doesn't happen. One of those two things. These are the worlds I live in. I get it. All right. I've been trying to break my habit of that. I just I get very stubborn about certain things. <laughs> All right, Randy, you brought you brought two home runs to the table, so I'm, I want to check these out. Do you know when uh, 20th Century is going to get a, a bigger uh, release or anything like that? Not sure. I can't imagine it getting a huge release. Just I just like- mean I just mean outside of uh, the theater thing. Oh. Not sure. I haven't checked, but um, yeah, it's on uh, Oscilloscope and then a bunch of virtual cinemas at the moment. Uh, okay. They, they kill I, it. I trust Oscilloscope. Yeah. Yeah. I trust Oscilloscope. Yeah. That's why I gave it a shot. And then I also watched the trailer, which looked bizarre. So I was like, all right, I'm, uh, I'm going to give this a shot. Yeah. Stop watching good shit, Randy. You make it really complicated <laughs> over here. Yesterday, <laughs> I decided Feel so very then I was going away. to catch up on uh, some found footage movies uh, that Russell has <laughs> been uh, screaming from the mountaintops uh, for many years now. Uh, I feel like, Russ, in your own way, you've championed these two films. Oh, don't tie them to me. That you know... <laughs> I'm going to get put that, on a list. That these are, these are quite <laughs> controversial films, both within their own right. Yeah. Now, we're going to, to break down both of these movies, um, and I'm going to try to do that in a... Um, economical sense in terms of time because there's a lot to unravel with both of these and there's also uh, 
common themes within both of these movies. So the first one that I want to talk about has multiple titles. Uh, it is known as Bad Seeds on the International Movie Database, but uh, more notably known as Bad Kitties. Okay, so this, Russ, how, how did this sort of get into your radar? Um, I watch a lot of films on Amazon Prime, and one day somebody came up to me and said, Hey, man, you seen Bad Kitties? I went, No. They went, What, really? It's a found footage movie. And I went, Bad Kitties? Like, what the fuck? You're like, Yeah, it's about bad little kids. I went, Oh, um, in. Yeah. Did you, I, you, love, you loved an unruly youth. Oh, yeah, for sure. What is it about that? Uh, I don't know what character I'm doing right. There's high know. stakes, you know. But it's not always getting in trouble. I, no, yeah. you know what it kind of is. Like, what was uh, what's a Criterion example? Like Fish Tank. Yeah, I like Fish yeah. Tank. I like watching twelve year olds drink a beer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. Gummo, <laughs> Gummo, Cuties. You know all these movies. They the themes in Bad <laughs> Kitties and Cuties. Bad Kitties is Cuties grown up. Yeah, but it, it's got a very different feel. So there's there's an added caveat to Bad Kitties, and I'm going to try to. I, this deserves a deep dive. Yeah, because just, I, I'm gonna. I'm sort of tiptoeing into everything because I don't. I I don't have all of the information organized and, and mapped out. So from what I now, someone who did a deeper dive on this is Madeline Kessner, because we were talking about this in our uh, group G chat that we have. Um, Russ, can you go back to the um, IMDb page? Yeah. There? And so uh, this, uh, the description of everything, uh, as you were explaining this to Madeline, sort of sparked her uh, investigative journalist muscles. And so she decided to do a deep dive into Bad Kitties. And what she found out is that the star and director, co-writer of this project are notorious scam artists potentially well allegedly yes and well they've changed their name several yeah. times yeah and uh madeline believes that they go on message boards and they have created many accounts and they are trying to start a dialogue about their projects and it's all them yeah which very well could be the case uh the star of this may or may not have done porn i did try to do my brief research and to try to find her i did not i was unsuccessful um, so I, I don't know. So, and that is what, if you'll look, the rating of this movie is 3.1 out of 10. And you look at the user reviews, that's a lot of the user reviews. It's like, fuck these people. Yeah. They're dirtbags. This is a very interesting film, um, that suffers from, a, a common theme, a common thing that happens, uh, with low budget movies. Acting is hard to come by sometimes. And uh, this movie, the the grown-ups in this, the parents, it's a little rough. Russ, do you remember that? I remember my experience being, well, first off, I want to mention, you don't think Dana Doll is a real director name? Also, whenever <laughs> yeah. there's only a co-director listed. Yeah. And um, back in the day, I tried really hard to get a guest on here from this uh, movie. And I went as far to like digging into Facebook. I found the mother of one of them. And she left a comment and I, I messaged her directly and I was like, hey, can you get me in touch with like, like, I really like this movie. I'm not punching down. Never heard back, but that's Facebook shit. I remember the acting, though, um, coming across as the children were um, they kind of tr uh, they walked the, the thin line of 
are they real people just doing this and acting weird because there's a camera or are, is there a heavy script and they're not delivering well, except I think it's the, the first, I think it's the latter. I think, um, it's a lot of improv and also it, I question the age of the actual director of a lot of this, but the parents, they're the only bad thing in this movie. I really think the parents hold it back as far as a film but as a weird relic of like found footage craft on Amazon Prime, I don't think you could dethrone. There's a lot to unravel here, and this is absolutely worth watching. Now yeah. that the, now we can get into bigger conversations about morality <laughs> and yada 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 if you want to. Um, I am very interested in the production of this, as there are uh, very candid moments that happen. Oh yeah, um, that have to be real. Yep. There are interactions with people who have to think that they, they were not involved in uh, production of any kind. And uh, I'm particularly thinking of like when they were outside in a, almost like a Bourbon Street-esque party scene. Yeah. And the, the, this guy was trying to yep. uh, correspond with these young ladies. Now, the, the second movie that I'm going to talk about as well also has, uh, vi- like I said, common themes with this one. And one thing I want to get into is the age of the characters. Mm-hmm. Now, these girls are 17 and 18, I believe. Supposedly. Yes. They don't, they look young. But, but there are 11 year olds that hang out with them mm-hmm. and they talk like no 11 year olds should. It's very uncomfortable. There's also fighting with the, with the girls and their parents. And, um, there's there's real life scenarios that happen like they go to this club <laughs> i don't know how they got in this club man like i really think they had the fake ids well do you do you want to get like inside baseball here yeah if you know because, it well no no i mean um uh, because for a while when we were talking about doing a three or two i was flirting with the idea of taking a um a turn on the found footage horror genre and being like let's uh let's do a block of like domestic. And I'm like, I really think, I think bad kitties is a horror movie. Yes. Although it is, I mean, there's no monster here, but there's a moment in this film where one of the girls, um, forces one of the younger girls to take like Vicodin. Yes. And I've, I remember just thinking, man, that looked like a real fight, man. That looked like I've seen little kids fight and I've seen like, like I didn't have siblings till I was older. But I know people who grew up with them. I'm like, that looked fucking real. Yeah. And then it, it, that little, there's that little crack. There's that little verisimilitude snuck in, right? And I was like, no way was that real pills, though. And I'm like, well, do I have enough faith in these people to get fake pills? Yeah. And I'm telling you, once a film can get in you like that, it, oh, man, you can spiral out. You get into some real tricky waters. <laughs> yeah. And that's where we are with this one. Um, now again, from a entertainment standpoint, like this is worth watching. Oh yeah. Now, is it worth watching on Tubi, which is the only way available right now? Are you um, saying to be or not to be to be or not to be? It's the, the commercials. It's, it's a little rough. How often? Uh, I would say every 20 minutes and it's like three to four minutes of commercials. Oh, hell no. It's a little rough, man. It's a little rough. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
And this movie's like an hour 45. Really? Yeah, it's a wow. long, it's a longer runtime. I remember it being short. It's like an hour 40. Yeah, hour 43. Fuck, hour 43. I yeah. remember eating it up though. Just like, whoa, this is gnarly. Like yeah. But th- th- there's uh it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because you don't know what's real and what's not and uh, that's part of the reason why we love this subgenre well when the director vanishes and they have a co-director yeah when you learn all the shady shit behind the scenes then that sort of puts you into the perspective of what the what are we watching right now and also um r.i.p madeline fucking credit to her we're in the middle of enough meeting because we are going to do something this year and uh we were talking about programming and i threw this out and she fucking like a fucking uh, what what are the type of dogs that track down prey? I don't know. Most she, dogs? You know, I'm not very comfortable <laughs> calling her a dog. I feel like she'd get very angry at me anyway. Just call so. her Bloodhound. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to back off that completely. And uh, she fucking, in the meeting, got more done while holding a conversation with me than I did uh, like a week <laughs> of looking. And yeah. she pulled up a video. Now, the thing is, oh yeah, it looks like there's a lame... Uh, some lame director dude who's maybe tricking girls into doing stuff and uh one of them goes around saying she's a porn star and it's it looks like she's photoshopping her shit into stuff yeah and uh i just she did a video on youtube did you watch that yes the tyra banks one so it's tyra banks talking about like women empowerment and her body and it's like a monologue and she intercut footage of her with like uh some male liquid on her lips. Splooge. Yeah, dude. It's <laughs> on like, YouTube. But it, the only thing you can get from it is like, what are we in a fucking ARG right now? Yeah, it's or, like 120 views. Dude, it's it's bizarre and creepy. Yeah. Honestly, you know what? We should poke her and see if uh, she would do like a video essay compiling all that. We yeah, could why not? Nah, she, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't do it. And she's dead. So, so the RV. second movie, uh, which boy. Wait, I wait, wait, hold on. Can, can I cue it up? You want to queue it up with the... Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let's go. Let's just... Uh, we actually have one of the little girls from uh, the... <laughs> I don't know. Here, listen to this. Okay, we're going to watch it. Fuck it. I literally spent like fucking 15 minutes trying to prepare myself to watch this movie. I don't know why. I've seen so many fucking TikToks about this movie. And like, I'm guessing like it fucks people up, you know? I got a fucking mirror right here. So in case anything like pops up behind me, you know, I- Bitch, I have Coco here to alert me if anything <laughs> is behind me. Huh. You're gonna bark? Okay, it's fucking based on true events. So, Coco, why you look like that? Okay, I'm ready. Oh, and I have McDonald's. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even think I'm gonna be able to eat. I don't know the motherfucking concept of this movie. I just know it's based on true events. That's all I know. Already starting off bad, bitch. I put Megan the Stallion instead of Megan is missing. I got me squishy in case I can stress during the movie. Okay, we move locations to the wall because I need to have my back to the wall. What the fuck? I talk too damn much, but I'll make the next video my reaction. And then that was it. We don't know her reaction. To the film, Megan is missing. Now, I watched this as a double feature with Bad Kitties because I really know how to torture myself. <laughs> this was a bummer of a double feature, man. And apparently, again, completely oblivious to what is happening happening with uh, the internet and uh, popular uh, popularity. I, I do not understand TikTok. I'm not a TikTok person. I watch 
TikTok compilations that are generally of the cringy variety. And that is my extent of uh, my TikTok knowledge. Apparently, Megan is Missing has been trending on TikTok. And this starts to make sense to me as this week, as I said, I, I've been, um, I had to work remotely this week, uh, went over to the East Bay. I uh, like how you refer to it as remotely, like remotely from your regular home job. That is true, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how fucked up things are where I'm actually having to go into the regular uh, commuting stage and it exhausted me this week. And uh, I a coworker was talking about this movie. I was like, why? What, what, why? How do you know about Megan is missing? You talked to me about Will Smith movies. I, what is happening right now? Well, here, I pulled it up for you. So here's Michael Gulley's tweet from uh, November 17th. He said, uh, hashtag Megan is missing on TikTok update. 145 million views. Uh, it's like watching the election results coming in and wondering what the final tally will be. Then on 19th, he said, uh, on TikTok, uh, Megan is Missing has hit over 212 million views and still climbing. Jeez. And uh, we figured out why. There's a Megan is Missing challenge going on. And I think that's what uh, the clip we played was from. So basically, little kids on TikTok are challenging each other to watch this movie as it, the bar is so high. This movie came out 2011? Oh. 2012? I, I got this. Uh, 2011. All right. So this movie deals with, again, young people. However, this much younger than Bad Kitties. Megan is Missing (laughs) deals with a 14 and 13-year-old who are clearly not 14 and 13 years old. These girls are not. And I think, thank God for that. If they casted to 14 and 13 year old girls, then this is way more disturbing. Russ, don't you agree? Yeah. Um, then we're, then we're looking at a whole separate thing here because, um, uh, you know, look, this movie's rough and it, it deals with child abductions, uh, which is, uh, you know, pretty terrible thing. I, you know, the, human trafficking is, I think one of the most worst <laughs> things that uh, humans can do to one another is yeah. to take another person for their own selfish reasons. Well, and mostly it involves getting people addicted to heroin and then, yeah. you know, working in and the sex trade. Becoming, for, yeah, fuck dolls. Do you remember, I covered this, like, not extensively, but I brought it up when um, we started doing the bit on cuties a bunch. Yeah. Because I've, I'm super fascinated by films that get so caught up in trying to portray a message of warning that they end up becoming part of the problem. And I tied it back to Cannibal Holocaust, which, you know, is rallying against exploitation film and becoming the most prolific exploitation film. Cuties is trying to raise awareness of uh, how we're treating young women in America and then becomes the bane of America. Yeah. And with Michael Goy, he was moved by a real life life abduction and he thought it it really pained him to see that people would read a headline and then just kind of go on. And he's like, well, ultimately he wants to punish people and be like, I want to put you in the parents' shoes and really make you live the experience. And and now little kids are daring each other to watch it on TikTok. (laughs) So the the film centers um, Megan and Megan's friend, um, Amy, is that her name? Uh, 
Megan and I don't know where the fuck are the names on here. Yeah, a- Megan and Amy. Um, so Megan is uh, she is uh, you know she's out there, man. She's groovy, you know. She's out there, you know. S and D's and she's a bad kitty. She she is a bad kitty. Now we we learned about Megan as uh, Megan was sexually assaulted by her uh, stepfather mm-hmm. at starting at age ten. And um, has been uh, sexual for quite some time. At, at 14, Megan has already lived quite a life. And Megan's best friend, Amy, um, who is the good girl. And within their circular group of friends, uh, the rest of the friends do not like Amy. She's the goody two-shoes. So they go to this house party. And Amy, of course, ruins everything because she's lightweight and she throws up on people. And She's uh, a square. Yeah, she is a square. Uh, circle gets a square. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. So, Megan starts a internet dialogue uh, with this guy who's supposed to be this cool skateboarder guy. <laughs> now, keep in mind, Megan is a skater boy. Keep in mind, this is t- <laughs> yeah, this is 2011, and this is still pretty early days of internet chat, right? You know, I don't know. We're probably. When did video chat really kick off? Video chat? Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, definitely children have always been ahead of the curb. And as right. I knew I'd, I was doing some shit on the internet. And so, and so Megan's meeting this guy online who's supposed to be the skater dude, and his, <laughs> his uh, webcam is broken. So she can't see him. He can see her. So again, to you and I, that's an automatic red flag. But again, these are children. Their brains are not fully developed. They've got no wrinkles up there. It's all smooth brain. They don't know. And um, Megan, then uh, she goes missing. <sighs> we, we can get down into the, the nitty gritty here of, of how I, you could dissect this and, and break this up pretty easily. Um, there, there has to be some suspension of disbelief here mm-hmm. with this story. Do yeah. you agree? Yeah. Cause, uh, especially with Amy's, uh, storyline, I don't think it would have gotten that far. I, I think that the law enforcement would have intervened uh, <laughs> on a much bigger scale than yeah. what happened. You never know though. Yeah. In this scenario, like, look, when you got a missing white girl, <laughs> Who's thirteen years old? That's that's gonna that's gonna get set things set in motion. I mean, it happens fairly often, but we don't really get that. We only really see this from Amy's perspective, and she's like, "Yeah, people are kind of got they're getting tired of of looking for Megan." Um. So then Amy gets abducted, <laughs> and twist when this uh, this is all is a part of the. They say two teenage girls both get abducted, so I'm not spoiling anything. Again, TikTok challenge. <laughs> <sighs> but who saw the aliens coming? There's some pretty gnarly imagery that oh, yeah. we see in this that just really comes out of nowhere. And then when it happens, you're like, oh, okay, here we are. And then I'm telling you, man, the third act, the last 22 minutes of this movie where the last 22, it's uncut footage, and, the, and we get a, 
a caption there saying that uh, this video camera was found yeah. to where they last, uh, where Amy was last seen, mm-hmm. and they see this video camera there, and then they said that this is the last uncut 22 minutes that they found in this video camera. And then we find out what happened to Amy. We also find Don't, out. I'll, I'll tell you. What happened to me. Now you might understand a creep joke that I love. Yeah. Do, does that ring a bell? No. Okay. It's I'll, been too I'll, long. I'll for tell me. you off uh, okay. camera because it hits hard, but that's why I loved creep so much. It's like, whoa, did they just reference a thing from a movie okay. that nobody's seen? Write that down because I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. Um, also, really quick, Michael Goy is my boy because he was the head of the Cinematographers Guild. Goy boy. Back in 2011, not much has changed now, but it was a popular trend to be like found footage horrors for people who didn't know how to make movies and they didn't have any money. So they would just make a terrible subject and have awful people and they didn't know how to film. And so... Um, uh, that the the Bible that I always refer to, um, Alexandra Heller Keller, <laughs> found footage in the appearance of reality. That book, she has um, stills from the the shooting location, and she goes into kind of detail about how Michael Goy, who's a king of cinematography, had to deconstruct the studio narrative to make this film hit harder. And I think that final scene is super important in that because you don't normally have a static shot for a half hour to close out your movie. Yeah. 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 So there, this is an intelligent one. And uh, if you are a found footage fan, arm yourself with the name Michael Goy. And the next time you have some uh, fucking elitist horror fan tell you found footage is garbage and be like, well, why does it attract these great storytellers? Then I don't. It sort of upsets me that this has become like a um, TikTok craze. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, it just seems exploitative. Well, I'll t- it, well again. Now we're back to the cuties cannibal holocaust problem. It is yes, and, and uh, I, I I don't like. I don't think that's fair to the film because I think this is a well made film, and I I appreciate the treatment of and I. Of what Michael Goy was trying to say, yeah, yeah, with the message of the film, and again, I think you, you bring up an excellent point with, um, you know, with Cannibal Holocaust because, um, and again, I, I'm not saying this lightly at all. There's some disturbing imagery, and it's 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 rough, especially. That's why I go back to the age thing, because it's horrible things that happen to these girls, and we see these things, and these are. F- 13 and 14 year old children. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'll tell you, you are the target audience for this movie, though, because you have a hard time of separating character empathy with like reality and uh, you can get hit pretty hard emotionally. And this movie is gunning for you. Yeah. Because they want to turn you into an activist. Well, it's also it's also because, again, uh, with both of these stories, I am so far removed from being an unruly youth that it's hard for me <laughs> to understand uh, the, the point of view. Cause I was much more of an Amy yeah. in my real life and I didn't hang out. I didn't, I was not a bad kid and I didn't hang out with bad. I didn't know what that means. Like I was surrounded in my own little bubble <sighs> and to see, you know, these unruly kids that like, for me, there is a suspension of disbelief, <laughs> but I know that that's not the case yeah, in, a not normal, yeah. in a normal person's life. Dude, I got to tell you, 
sometimes bad kitties grow up to be bad kitties. That is the tagline from Bad Kitties. <laughs> also, Randy, I, I think a direct verbatim line in Bad Kitties is um, that this uh, older guy was trying to hit on these girls. <laughs> and she's like, we're not interested. We're the kitties and we fuck each other. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's weird. Dude. Randy, yeah. you'll dig it. Criterion's putting it out next week. <laughs> also, um, oh man, I know I plug the book all the time, but watch found footage horror films. Actually, somebody uh read found footage horror films. Yeah, yeah, right. God, sorry, I'm reading and thinking a different thing. Found footage horror films, fear and the appearance of reality. Alexandra Heller Nicholas. Uh, it is a Bible. It is a fucking dense text on found footage, and uh, she really goes into the cannibal Holocaust dilemma which I think we can then apply to films like this and cuties. And um, again, I'll tell you, I don't know what it says about me, but I like watching art from fucked up people. And it doesn't have to be just movies. I mean, paintings or any expression from a, I mean, nightmares from a fucking damaged mind or something. But if there's no pain, art has to come from pain and suffering. Although that's why I hate reggae music. I guess Manson really was tested on then, right? Because he would have been like a good musician, but he's fucking boring. Manson was not a good musician. I know. Famously so. Yeah, but then, you know, the government did test on him and then he got weird. So he wasn't wacky before. He was wacky. Did did I tell you that my great aunt um, was actually a fairly uh, renowned psychologist? She interviewed Manson. Oh, you did? I think it came up when we were talking about the dead hands dig deep. Yeah. Because... There was a re- weird Manson relationship there too, right? Oh, the lead singer of Kettle Cadaver y- yeah. dated a girl whose claim to fame was she dated Manson. The, the Night Stalker. No, she oh, dated Richard Ramirez. Yeah, that's cooler. I give her, oh, except American Horror Story kind of fucked that up. Oh, thank God. I don't watch any I, of yeah, that I, shit. I backed out on that one too. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm excited that you watch these two terrible films. Now, I will tell you, guys, do not make the decision and watch these back to back. It's been a rough few hours. Uh, these are both very rough movies to get through uh, because, again, I, it speaks to uh, the verisimilitude of found footage in that, you know, what is real? What is not real? And uh, But it's not you, like... You get, you get more so that bad kitties because <sighs> it's hard to separate the real shit with bad kitties and then when you watch it because... You're like, what is the production on this thing? Like, morally, there's a <laughs> lot of questions with bad kitties. You don't get that with Megan is Missing, but you get the overall question of morality with Megan is Missing. Uh, and again, we go into, you know, the exploitation part of it. Well, you know, the, the main difference is when you watch Megan is Missing, you can tell there's a filmmaker struggling to make a point about morality where in bad kitties there's a filmmaker who's not even considering it yeah and it's like they kind of meet halfway and then they go very different directions and like like i have kind of a crass walk away with uh megan is missing i think it's great but i also think that they i mean michael goy obviously is a uh fine fella and he didn't go far enough with the rape and I know that's a weird thing to say, but in the pursuit of verisimilitude, it it palpably I, feels like it's missing. I'm going to disagree with you because 
I think the rape. I think. I think. <laughs> I think we knew what was happening. Yeah. Especially with the culmination, for sure. But and he- that's all I want. That's all I'll say is that we there. You do question at first. Is like, oh, th- is this happening? And then, and then it plays out. Oh, this is happening. And you're like, okay. And then it culminates. And then you're like, oh no. But for a dude who's meticulously oh, filming everything, no. it's like I feel like he wouldn't have missed that or like you know got it off frame or whatever. It's it's a weird critique, and I honestly would feel better if it had a different subject matter. Also, Randy, I want. Do you know what time I watched Megan is Missing? Oh no, eight a.m. Six a.m. I started <laughs> Megan is Missing. So start At off the right way. Six a.m. Sharp. Get a nice morning pastry and a God, coffee. That's the same time I watched his house. Oh, I'm watching these heavy punch me in the dick movies at 6 a.m. His house in the middle of his street. His house <laughs> in the middle of the street. Yeah. I, uh, okay. Yeah. Let's man, uh, check I wish, those out. I wish we had a palate cleanser. Also, Megan is missing. The only way you can really watch it is uh, iTunes rental for $3.99. Now. Does Russell have a DVD of it? Yes. Did I try to play it? Yes. Did it not work in my Xbox? Yes. Did Russell then take said DVD, <laughs> put it in his Xbox, and did it work correctly? Yes. Should I no. then retake Russell's DVD, take it to my Xbox, no. bring Russell up to my room, and then show him <laughs> that I am not insane? Maybe. No, I get it. Stay get tuned. It. I, it just turned into one of those things where me and Oksana were waiting for it to stop. And I'm like, ah, I think it's going to play. Shit. I know. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know what's up with my uh, Xbox. All right, now I have much more upbeat and fun, entertaining. Fucking, it's a it's a party in the theater because I went and saw it in the theater. And of course, I know you all know exactly what I'm going to talk about. It's the fucking uh, from the maker of a uh, Happy Death Day. Uh, he also actually this guy's a writer. He helped write um, Disturbia. He helped write Paranormal Activity 2, 3, 4, the marked ones. He, he wrote Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, hey. Viral, Happy Death Day 2. And uh, yeah, now he's actually he directed a, he directed the marked ones, which Oksana yelled at me about because I didn't listen to the intro last week. Do you know I haven't seen that one? That's It was my favorite one for a minute. Um, then I discovered Tokyo and then I started getting on a ghost is, dimension. Is the marked one technically five? Technically five. That's why I didn't. Actually, technically six. If oh, you count, uh, what was five? Tokyo would be two, and that would bump everything off. I know, but I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because four was such a shit show. Four was bad. Four killed it for me. Again, I we gotta give credit though. Uh, Ghost Adventures stole the fucking infrared thing and used it in real ghost hunting. So. That was cool. The ending of four is one of the worst endings um, of my life. The marked ones is a lot of people don't like it because it's a different type of film. There's a lot of adventure going on. It's not like a nuclear family. We're going in and out. Yeah, I, I really like the marked ones. Anyway, uh, oh look at Christopher this Landon, who dapper motherfucker, who is too pretty for me to ever try and book him. Uh, he directed the film I watched, Freaky. Randy, he's got an excellent set of teeth. So Freaky is a film that Bloomhouse put out and uh Bloomhouse gets so fucking cutesy with their horror now and they're almost like we we make horror movies for horror fans except I'm starting to realize like maybe I'm not a traditional horror fan. I don't like How so? I don't like Jason references every 2 minutes and like a Freddy joke or sweater popping up. But anyway, this one uh unlike Happy Death Day, which was a horror film 
in uh in spirit and was mostly f- it completely failed on the slasher aspect freaky is blending um freaky friday with uh essentially friday the 13th and i i can't help but like that i feel like the names linked up it opened on friday the 13th they're kind of cute with all the shit but uh i mean when shit works that well it's good and um the premise here is that we have a slasher girl who is stabbed by a dagger that is a uh, relic of i don't know the mayans or something and uh she doesn't die from it and the next day she wakes up and she's Vince Vaughn, who's the slasher. And Vince Vaughn is her. And um, she would not be a bad kitty. In school, she was a square and wore terrible clothing. And although she's a beautiful blonde, everybody hated her. That's what, so in the trailer. But that's also true to the genre. You yes, know, but it, don't cast no, no, no. See, symmetry. So I, I had this conversation with a math mage, Dan. And I was like, you know, this film is something I'm not interested in watching, but I love the modern, like, reinterpretation of modern art. So we take Freaky Friday, which is kind of like lowbrow or, or, you know, uh, light entertainment, and we're, like, revamping it. I'm like, I'm interested in that. And uh, I think it made sense. And they definitely have, like, oh, these are some pretty kids that are kind of the outcast, and one's gay, and I guess that means he's unlikable. But it's like, motherfucker, no, the gay people are super popular now. And I'll tell you, uh, this film, I did, none of us watched the remake of Black Christmas, right? No. No. Okay. This movie makes me want to watch it. And I know that the horror community, which is usually like pretty hard left-leaning, they came out and were saying this is like a woke movie. It's kind of like me bitching about everything. Black Christmas, we're Black about Christmas, okay. yeah. And everybody was saying it was too down your throat. Well, if it was, then it would be African American Christmas. Okay, there we go. <laughs> and uh, uh, what was the other one? They remade um, the Craft, and they they touted having a trans character. And it's like, you know, I am I'm, do it. Cast trans people. You should. Yeah. It, don't make it about them being trans, though. Yeah. And also, then you put them up on a weird pedestal, and you're like, hey, everybody, come look. We, it's almost like a fucking freak show at that point. Then you get people playing games. Which one's the trans? And I'm like, that shit makes me uncomfortable. Like, just, just have people that are right for the job. Freaky is not that. On top of that, I feel like Bloomhouse learned how to navigate these waters correctly. So we're dealing with a survivor girl who's now in the body of a... Uh, of a slasher. And I know I bore to death everybody when I'm talking about the Carl Young stuff of, you know, the anima animus thing, but they kind of breathe new life into it because now we have a timid girl who's in the body of a giant, uh, homicidal maniac. And they have bits in this movie that I actually really enjoyed. Like they show, um, Vince Vaughn in her body waking up and he's looking around her room and she's got like teeny bop posters up and, you know how like they always decorate a young girl's room with the uh, Christmas lights, but they're like all year. And, and there's typically an Audrey Hepburn poster somewhere. Right. And it's, it's very that. And, uh, but she's quiet and doesn't say a lot because she's used to wearing a mask and killing people. And uh, just the way she took in her environment. Then you cut that with Vince Vaughn waking up. Who's now a, a young female. And uh, he's surrounded by bodies being hung and decapitated heads. <laughs> He's on a mattress in the middle of like what looks to be a barn and uh, very vocal. And Vince Vaughn does a great job. 
And then an old, he's a great actor. An old fellow walks in and is begging for money. And it's kind of like, oh, there's some like interesting mise-en-scene going on here where this guy's living in like, you know, with fucking in the slums. And they're kind of like painting a broader picture of that. Now, the reason I brought up Black Christmas is because this movie takes every opportunity to talk about misgendering people. And they really lean into uh, referring to Vince Vaughn as her. And they're like, that's not a, that's her. That's our buddy. That's, I think her name's Millie. Yeah, Millie. They're like, that's Millie. They're like, don't misgender. But I'm like, I can fuck with that. To me, that makes sense. And it's not preachy. I think they found an interesting way to talk about the shit and actually make a poignant point. And I was like, dude, the movie, however, (laughs) not a huge fan. Yeah. It's a little too cute and winky. I'll tell you, it killed with Chuggy. I I don't know if. I think this is a. Yeah. Also, I should mention, it is the mall that he was shot at and dodged the bullets like it was the Matrix. It just seemed seemed very, very glossy. It is very glossy. And, um, you know, I I am not the biggest fan of the Happy Death Day franchise, as I know you are not either. I fucking hate it. This trailer seemed like, hey, we're going after this Happy Death Day audience. Yeah. And so that's why I, 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 no, thank you. Now, the only reason why this, and I did not see it with you guys, um, the only reason why I was, showed any interest in this whatsoever is because of Vince Vaughn. And the fact that he attached himself to this script. I'm like, well, then there has to be something with the script. I I feel like, you know, there, there has to be, you know, this has to be a fairly smart movie maybe no it and i mean i i was kind of making a a joke out of uh the director christopher landon but i mean he's worked on a lot of shit that i'm really into but yeah. he's also worked on shit that i absolutely hated and happy like death dirty day. sexy money oh no i'm into that did he work on that oh he did yeah okay no oh, disturb you i i remember i wrote like a five page essay on one frame <laughs> of that movie now i gotta give credit where credit's due and as somebody who comes on the show regularly and makes Randy pull out his hair when I'm bitching about woke shit, this, this film fucking works. And I think people should, uh, they should follow the example set by freaky <laughs> and learn how to have fun, make a message aimed at the audience. They're clearly targeting younger people here, but there's a, there's a smart script in the background. And, uh, I don't know. It, it just, it didn't really work for me though. Yeah. Just the glossiness of it. Well, and it's got a lot of, like, I feel like maybe us, like, on the show that partake and people who listen to our show, we probably have a common problem where if we see a punchline coming, it doesn't land as well. And I've learned, like, you know, comedy, you set it up and then surprise people. That works. That's the best comedy. Yeah. And uh, here, it's just, we know, like, it's like, especially if you're a horror fan, you're like, oh, Okay, I, I, we're we're doing Halloween right now. How long are we going to be doing this? And it turns into that. Yeah, I don't know. Also, Chuggy, I had to tell him to shut up because he started pointing out continuity errors. Oh boy! And he's like, "Oh, but they drove for forty minutes to get to that building, and then the guy ran there, but he was there in five minutes." And I'm like, "Motherfucker, Hitchcock would slap you right now. <laughs> like, please don't don't pick it apart, especially when you like the film." Yeah. Anyway, um. I don't know. It's glossy. It, it's good. I, I don't know if I can recommend it, though. I will say on IMDb, it's 6.969. That's cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's for you guys, and I don't know 
how much of our audience would like hour it. 42 what's going on there i'll tell you it didn't it didn't feel that long mm. and the, they need to earn that 12 minutes you know i honestly looking back on it it doesn't even have that bloom house feel of like We've got a cast and they're hanging out in one location. I don't like this middle territory. Okay. Tell a story in under 90 minutes <laughs> or three hours. Yeah. Hell I get yeah. you. Choo- choose it. It's, it's okay, like. Go seven hours. Go Bellatar. There we go. Randy, what was that movie we watched? The, uh, the girl, the whore, and the mother. I oh, didn't the- see that with you, actually. I still oh, haven't wh- seen it. The cook, the thief. No. His wife uh, and her love. Mother and the whore. I think mother it's called. I don't know. I don't Isn't- remember. I dude, Randy. the Joker and the Thief <laughs> in the Night. I fucking hate that band. Wolf Mother. Yeah, oh, do I? He shouldn't have said it. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna move on. Well, we're getting off topic here, guys. We got to wrap this up. We've been going long. Now I'll take the hit. Now, <laughs> now, the final film, which I can only blame Oksana for. Which I say blame, <laughs> but you know what? I fucking really like this movie. It's got oh. the amazing name. Of the washing machine, Diodato. It is now available to watch on Amazon Prime. Uh, everything about this movie is confusing. I don't know if it's legally on Amazon Prime. I feel like it might be uh, questionably uploaded. Okay. On Amazon Prime, it says it's from 1999. Um, everywhere else, it says 1993. Ooh. We might be talking about Italian or Russian or American release, but it's a uh, Diodato film. Uh, he's our cannibal Holocaust director. You know what else Diodato is? What? He's a pedophile. <laughs> that caught me off guard. I forgot the soundboard was even hooked up. Uh, now, The Washing Machine. Not a fucking weird movie. It's got a cover it's of a, a good poster. It's The poster is a bloody dude uh, looking out cross-eyed of a washing machine door. Kind of like those, those uh, submarine windows that are circular. Yes. And uh, portholes, a porthole. There we go. And uh, a lot of that in uh, your mom's house, too. Yes. And um, this film, my God, it opens up. There are three sisters. They're all like geniuses in their own art form. And um, one of them has a dream in the night that uh, the pimp. uh, I'm spoiling that. It's fine. They all have a in common pimp. And I'll tell you, there are people out here right now who have probably known about this movie forever who are thinking I'm late to the game. Long story short, this is a procedural about a detective who gets caught up in a murder mystery where there's no body. So these three girls are like, hey, our pimp was murdered and we found him in the washing machine. So he shows up and he's like, well, where the fuck is he? And they're like, he was there last night. And it's like, all right, what are we talking about? And they know the guy. The police know the dude because he's, he runs a strip club. He's not a savory character. Now, as they're going through the story and they're like, tell us what happened. They have this, this story of this girl. She brings him up. They're fighting outside. He pulls her boobs out. And uh, she still, he aggressively breaks into the, her apartment. Um, one thing leads to another. They're inside the refrigerator. I mean, the door is open. She's holding on as he uh, makes love to her. Now, one of his sisters is up on the stairs who's in a, all these girls, all they wear is fucking Victoria's Secret lingerie. Everybody's got a garter on. She's got her legs spread. She's looking there. She's enjoying it. They're enjoying her watching. Go to the bone zone. They're going, they truly are. And uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, one of them stumbles out in a drunken stupor and sees him dead in the washing machine. Now, when the detective finds out she was drunk, he's like, oh, it's just the drunk hallucinations of a fucking whore. 
And you're like, that's a little harsh. And by this point in the movie, Oksana notices that everybody in the film has a Russian name. Yet this is clearly an Italian production and everybody's speaking in English. Yet they've overdubbed it, which is clearly an Italian production thing to do. Except the buildings, it's almost like the New York that never was. Like everybody's living in apartments. Everybody's kind of bougie and has money, except all the buildings are kind of rotting. And it's got a lot of character. And she's like, I think this is in Russia. Then in one, one scene, um, our detective is wearing one of those hats that you only see in Russia. The tall, yes, furry yes, yes, ones. Yes, yes, yes. And it's like, okay, I think we're in Russia. But they never name the name of the town. I've got uh, a couple of those. It's, do you really? I bought one of those on the Great Wall of China. <laughs> <laughs> so it's authentic. Yes, thank you very much. So, dude, this film, Clark, I actually, now that I'm retreading it, I think you might dig it. It's got a lot of nudity. Have you even said it's Diodato? Yeah, it's Diodato, our Cannibal Holocaust guy, opened with that. Oh, that's right. Diodato. And I'll tell you, it doesn't really, it feels kind of like a vague um, Jalo film where we have a mysterious killer. I don't like the Jalo. I, and I understand why. And we get a couple scenes where uh, people are getting garroted with black leather gloves, except it's very minimal. There is one moment. There's some surreal imagery in this shit, and it pops up infrequently. There's one moment where you hear a thud. It's kind of an offbeat thud. And you're like, oh, God, are they fucking in like a dishwasher or something? You know what I mean? Like, what are they doing now? And one of the characters walks around, and they look in the kitchen, and one of the sisters is fully immersed in a bludgeon-to-death body. And it is straight-up unearthed gore. There are intestines everywhere, and she's offbeat hitting it with a hammer in between cursing it. And it's like, whoa, like that's gnarly. That's some gnarly gore. And then don't revisit it and it will pop up and go away. Also, there's, there's an ending on this one that I actually think warrants some, like some eyeballs seeing it. It's a fucking weird one. And if it wasn't on Amazon prime, I don't know if I would push it, but dude, if you got some time also up here, it says Italy. You know, let me look down. I'm on IMDb. The, the dubs, I can't. The dubs kill me, man. Uh, Budapest, Hungary. What Ooh. the fuck? It's an Italian, French, Hungary with la- language. It, it, dude, they were speaking English, and I know sometimes they would overdub Italian cinema just to get rid of the accent. I uh, do. It's a weird movie. Okay, but it's mostly a procedural. I and, like a and procedural. I'll tell you, so the the main plot of this film is that the cop or the detective is being harassed by these girls who are victims, right? But they're all coming on to him. So we get like a weird sex moment in it. So one of them is a teacher for the blind. Now she, I don't know if this is a real thing you do, but she brings her class to a museum and she walks around showing them how to feel on the statues. So they're rubbing the statue faces and shit. And they're all like enthralled. Well, she takes this opportunity to uh, try and grind up on the detective while avoiding her blind students looking for her. There's a lot of this kind of shit in the movie. We get an orchestra scene. We get, d- dude, out in broad daylight park stuff. Did is- you did you know about this movie at all? No, actually, we thought it was like a we thought it was like an American film from the. Uh, early 2000s and then you saw it was like oh shit this well, is Diodata. yeah and we thought it was going to be a retro thing the thing is when you watch a trailer you're like damn they did a good job and then you turn it on and not only is it Diodato, but the theme songs from uh simonetti 
who's a goblin guy, Claudio oh, Simonetti. Okay. So it's like, this is some heavy hitting Italian shit. I've never heard of it, but I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. We don't shit. have a, uh, who's the guy who did the score for uh, cannibal Holocaust Riz. Uh, oh, I don't know his name. I definitely the best score of all time. You almost said Rizzo too. That would have been good. Um, I think it's like Riz Ornetti or something. I mean, I could look it up. We are both in front of computers, but now I'm, do I own that on vinyl? I don't think so. I don't think I do. If you do, we should play it every day. Dude, I remember I got you. Did, have you ever seen the movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah, talk about it on the show. Because um, I know I was playing the theme song, or I, I have the soundtrack in my car in CD form, and I know you were, you were taken by it. Riz Ortolani. Yeah, R. Ortolani. Oh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Okay, that's all I got. And I, I should mention, I've been lacking on the film watching only because we've been, we've been kind of waist deep in unnamed footage festival stuff. I, I'll be getting back on it, I promise. And we can uh, release more details concerning all that stuff in the upcoming days. Yeah, it'll come out. Also, you know, I had a lot of fun doing the um, Amityville Horror box set. If, if, if you listen to this fucking show every week, all 18 hours of it, Please feel free to let us know if you want to hear us talk about something or even particular forms of coverage. Because I don't know if I should go back to like the random DVD shit. I mean, yeah. it is how we found modern vampires, which is I don't know how that movie hasn't been uh, hitting on TikTok after we exposed it. I know, man. But yeah, I don't know. I don't interact with Where's us. that we modern like vampires challenge. Actually, you know, we just before recording heard from the guy that offered you a violin and he's offering up a Blu-ray. So I told Oksana, well, tell him to throw on the violin. Also, shout out to you, because I know you're listening. Hell yeah. Fat Boy Scootin'. Was that his name? Is, it, was, is that the same? I thought it was a different guy. I don't know. I'm bad at this. All right. Well, regardless. Also, we've been doing this for five hours now. <sighs> it's been a long day. Um, enjoy the interview. No, this episode is not over. You've got another <laughs> hour. I know. Baby. Uh, had a great talk uh, with Michael Arcos, uh, director. Um, uh, fantastic. Uh, director that uh, really does his um, own style of documentaries when when you really break it down and um, he's he's currently on uh, working on a feature which uh, at this juncture in time could not uh, divulge a ton of information uh, for us but he does share what he can he gave up a lot more than I thought that is true oh you know what William Lustig we talk about him a lot oh, William Lustig William Spataro yes and he worked <laughs> on uh, Happy Death Day too so uh, fuck yes, you, Bill. <laughs> All right. So enjoy, Michael, and uh, we'll see you next week. No, Michael, I'm a I'm a huge fan. Again, I was oh, turned thanks. I was turned on to you by uh, William Spataro, our mutual buddy. Hell yeah, I love love Bill. He's good people. Yeah, Bill. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've been talking to Bill a lot lately. He seems bored as hell right now. Holy smokes! Yeah, he, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's great. I mean, like he he needs that like that shake, you know. Like let's go, let's go make something, let's do it. But yeah, he's also super well versed in cinema and just like pretty much keeps up daily. Yeah, he's kind of one of those like horror elite bully guys where you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, I like horror movies. And he's like, like what? And you're like, oh, you know, like Evil Dead, and he'll like roll his eyes. Yeah, he's judging yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's got that that you know spiky outer layer, but inside he's just a he's just a gooey, you know, 
Oh, I like where you're going he's, with this. He's, he's a he's like a he's like what are those candies called? Ferrero Rocher. Is okay. that is that what I'm thinking of? Ooh, he's, okay. He's yeah, got yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got a little bit of a, a a spiky, nutty, you know, outer layer, but on the inside, it's just nice and gooey. He's a sweetheart. He is a sweetheart. I'll I'll tell you this though: when Bill vouches for somebody, it really carries a lot of weight. Because he he's a brutal critic, and uh, <laughs> he's most harsh on himself. And I, I don't think he's ever admitted to liking any of the work he's ever done, which what, is. Th- I feel like a good example of him is like he watches a lot of extreme violent and like stuff and like you know a lot of horror and gore. And one day he confessed to me he's like after a night of just seeing like the most extreme shit he has to like before he goes to bed like watch like cute cozy like cat <laughs> like videos you know like like that's his thing and it's totally just like him you know with describes him. Oh yeah, no, he puts on a front big time, and one one of the things he connects with Oksana about is his cat. He talks about it, posts it. Yeah, he got very mad one time. He posted a picture of his cat on Instagram. Yeah, and somebody fat shamed his cat. Oh no, ooh, he fucking see, flipped ooh. out. That's bad news. See, yeah, I'm I'm a heated over here too. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, because that ultimately that's an insult towards Bill as caretaker of the cat and the distributor of the caloric intake of said oh, cat. God. 100%, yeah. You know? Now, I didn't want to get here until later on, but uh, cats are definitely going to be a topic here. I'm I think so. I myself, a- I'm a cat fan. I get a lot of flack for it. Uh, I know there are listeners to the show who are huge cat fans, but um, I'm also a fan of the Beaver Trilogy. You see what I'm doing here? <laughs> now, Bill, when we were first talking, he told me, oh, my buddy Michael, he did the Cat Trilogy. Now, is that actually how you refer to it? I, I mean, I've definitely been playing with this kind of language within my work and my craft and like what's given to me and like when I kind of do more like scrappy intuitive stuff. And um, I just kind of throughout the years have put this theme together and like these, these set of rules. But uh, it's definitely something that came after I did like a second cat movie. Then I was like, OK, let me conclude this in, in some way or form. But yeah, the cat trilogy. Now. Michael, self-admittedly, I am not a cat person. I was I was raised to hate cats, essentially, as my mother was attacked by a cat when she was a child, so cats were not allowed. She was really attacked by a cat? Yeah, she her face, yeah. A cat Ooh. just jumped and scratched her face, and it was Where, terrifying. Though? Like she was eight? like five, so it just, it, one of those things, it just okay. stuck. Um, so, uh, and also, my grandmother was a big cat person, and I think that that <laughs> caused a riff in the relationship between those two. Um, but I, I, I think I appreciate the the relationship between cats and cat people. Like I, I think that frankly, my personality yeah. <laughs> is too close to that of a cat, and so to counterbalance that, that's why I like dogs because I like that unconditional love. I need that because I am standoffish. I do what I want to do. I appreciate that in the cat, but I don't. I don't need that in a uh, a partnership with another creature. Well, then within partnership in like the human realm, do you find yourself like who like are the dog people attracted to you or cat people? <sighs> it's b- both, but like I I have a lot of cat people in my life. Yeah, yeah. I just that is interesting. I've never heard anybody yeah. articulate it that way. I think cat people are attracted to you. Cat people are dog people are too. I, because I, but I think maybe the dog people also maybe are cat people. <laughs> no, not true. Some, some, some go half and half. 
some have a uh, well-balanced appreciation. No, I, 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 I want to just say for the record, I definitely feel like I'm welcoming of all animals, but identify more with like the design of a cat for sure. But like, yeah, I think like I'm an acquired taste kind of human. And if I were to like someone to ask me the question I just asked you, like, I think like cat humans are attracted to me for sure. Like, yeah, it's weird. The relationship with the pet is completely different. The thing I don't like about dogs is how uh, how needy they are. I don't like that attention that they crave. And I like the relationship I can have with the cat where it's like, you leave me alone, I leave you alone. Ha- a quarter of the time, we're both going to want attention. The other one's not going to want it. Sure. Learn to respect it. And then there's that perfect time, hopefully daily, where you, you both want a little bit and then you're done. But dogs get so excited. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's, and they're drooly. They are drooly, verbal. But, and but in terms of 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 fearing other animals, I fear cats way more than dogs. Like I've been around giant dog, like giant greyhounds and mastiffs. <laughs> those don't scare me. What scares me are those. Uh, what are those? Those, those Bengal cats? Those giant giant Ooh. house cats? Yeah, those are yeah. terrifying. My my dad had a couple of manxes growing up. Is that was that what they are? Uh, I think they were they were like a. I don't know. They were like strays that had bred with one. Yeah, Maynard and Sonia. And my when I was little, I was kind of like, I don't know, I was a little kid. I was fucking with one of the cats. And that Maynard dude, he would remember and come fuck you up. And my dad loves telling that story. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised you hadn't heard it. No. That cat came up to me when I was playing like Sega and just hit me in the back of the head like five times and ran off. Oh, God. oh but, that, that brings up a good question. Sega or Super Nintendo? I was Sega. I was, I was Super younger. Nintendo. Nope. I was Sega. <laughs> See, I, I had a Game Gear, which Ooh. drained batteries like no other system I've ever had in my life. But oh man, I have a bad experience with a Game Gear. I got like I was in South America traveling with my family, and my brother was more the Game Gear guy. And um, I got frustrated playing a game. I think it was like maybe Sonic Two or Three or something like this on Game Gear, and I was in such a frenzy that I like smashed the game gear on my oh. head and broke the system oh, oh no <laughs> and my brother was like furious with me the entire trip because that was his outlet but yeah. right what a weird time i remember my parents got me a nomad because i was an only child for a lot of my What's life a nomad yeah it's, i don't know nomad it's, it's a portable sega okay like just straight up you load the cartridge into it and it took like 14 d batteries and it played for like a half hour but it was literally just a sega but I remember being in a huh. car ride and just like, dude, it doesn't get any better than this. Like, I'm just playing the game. And now it's like, that's fucking ancient history. But, oh, yeah. But, Michael, as we talk right now, I'm in the room where I have my um, mini uh, <laughs> Super SNES system uh, yes. that's hacked and it has over 180 games. Nice. So I, I play that. Um, this is also the office uh, which I work. So when I get bored, <laughs> I'm playing... <laughs> Sports games from 1992. And you know, yeah, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I still have my original um, Nintendo, and like, I'm a big fan of like the puzzle games like Lolo and stuff like that, and I occasionally play those things. Yeah, you know, when when Bill was first talking to me about you, I believe it he had gone over your house and he called me because over here, so we, I don't want to go too far back on this, and I know I talk about it too much. We were doing a thing that we, it was like a blog, and we called it the Overlook Theater. And uh, what it was was me, I made an excuse to have friends come over. 
And uh, because I like to be productive, I was like, well, like there'll be five of us and we'll watch a movie, mostly indie films that people aren't talking about. And then as a group, we'll talk about it and discuss it. And then I'll turn it into like a blog post. Nice. And really, it was just me tricking people to come over. <laughs> but at the time, I had like a large garage and a projector. And we put in, you know, surround sound. And it was like, we're going to watch shit the way it's meant to be, but at home and stuff that nobody's talking about. And uh, that was one of the first things I, I got to know Bill because he was, he commented on my Instagram and shit. And then he brought you up and he's, and I don't know if you know this, but he took pictures of your place <laughs> and he was sending them to me and he's like, dude, he's, or actually he'd be like, Hey, bro, this motherfucker. Right. He's like, dude, this guy's decked out. He's like, he's got these two chairs. Like you have what? Lazy boys in there. No, no, no. I have um, a friend of mine uh, rummaged, um, like old theater seats. So I, I, I kind of made like a wood structure. I have three theater, theater seats. So like, you know, uh, yeah. Fuck. Oh, man. And what, you're in New Orleans. So I, I imagine well, that, yeah, yeah I, theater seats don't just pop up all the time, right? No, it's like, I think a, a friend of mine has a warehouse stuffed with them. They're like a little moldy and like kind of grimy, but I like cleaned them up and like painted them and stuff. But yeah, they're like, Definitely Bill is someone who really appreciates like being, especially like during the quarantine and shit, like sitting in one of those seats and like watching like a VHS or something. No, he told me it was the greatest and that you had a, a rival VHS collection that he was proud of. But it bugs me because you did the thing that I always talked about where I was like out here in the Bay Area in San Francisco, we have a ton of um, independent theaters and they're constantly trying to like stay relevant and um, keep people comfortable and coming back. So they upgrade kind of often and seats get thrown out every now and then. And I'd always be like, dude, one day I'm going to grab them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a pallet and we're going to turn them. And I never did. It's been like seven years now, but of how long did it take you like a week? I had them sitting like in my backyard for the longest till it was literally like me and my partner, like making it happen one day. We're like, let's just do it. Let's, you know? So yeah, it, ha it was like a push. It was like definitely like, lockdown quarantine time so how, how did you get introduced to bill bill um shit that's a really good question i know for sure we oh we worked together um he was doing special makeup and i was doing like audio for the short film in um new orleans and then we exchanged numbers and i threw a couple ideas out to him and shared with him some treatments and stuff and we he naturally just like like fucked with it and we got along, started watching movies together, um, late night porch hangs, geeking out. Um, and yeah, that's uh, good friends ever since. Maybe two years ago, two, three years ago, something like this. Well, what film were you guys working on? Oh, man, it's it was a terrible. I don't even want to like bash it. <laughs> it, it, like, it, <laughs> it was just some shit we were doing for money, like straight up. But like... Um, he like did amazing work with like the little that they gave him. And I was like, Oh my God, this guy's super talented. And you know, he went to, uh, I, don't quote me on this, but like the Tom Savini. School oh yeah. Or yeah. Like, yes. And, um, yeah, his, his work is amazing. Like just like the, to watch him work is super inspiring. So like it was a natural connection for sure. So now, okay. Uh, to get off the bill topic, bill, we love you. If he no, we could just make this about, I know. Her, <laughs> but I don't, you don't even fucking listen. He'll probably listen to this because he likes you, Michael. But <laughs> when we, I, I got him on God, what, two years ago? I think Bill first came on the show. Mm, and, over three. Dude. And Bill, he's a, he's kind of nervous and like 
he gets kind of awkward and i think he drank a bunch when he first came on and he told me a bunch of things like i don't want to talk shit about savini's school and blah 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 and dope and i was like, okay cool no problem and then we had him on like a year ago and all that shit had fluttered out of my mind. And I think I actually got him to kind of like go into it. He wanted, yeah. And then after we were done recording, Clark was like, dude, you know he said not to talk about that like two years ago. So yeah, uh, Michael, if you want to hear his uh Did recap. we cut it? No, we did not. No, we did not. Well, I wasn't editing the show. I still don't. Uh, so Michael, are you, are you from New Orleans? I'm not. I grew up in Miami, Florida uh, for the majority of my life, lived there. And then lived in a bunch of areas in Florida trying to escape it. Then South Georgia and then um, New Orleans. So what what brought you to New Orleans? Huh. Uh, New Orleans, you know, like I feel like I at the time before living in New Orleans, I was living in a trailer in the middle of the woods in Thomasville, Georgia, like super southern middle of nowhere, Georgia. And I was like, okay, living and working there. But I had some good friends from Florida that were just like, what the fuck are you doing in a trailer in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> and they literally just were like, hey, we got a job in New Orleans. You should come. And we found a place. And yeah, I mean, I was always like kind of a little terrified of New Orleans just because it's like it's vices and like, you know, like alcohol is definitely one of my poisons. And I was like, oh, shit, this is just going to like escalate my alcoholism. And like, but no, I kind of just say the same, but it's a debaucherous <laughs> city. It's a debaucher city that's like still mystic and like unique and ugly and grotesque and beautiful at the same time. Like it's it's kind of kept me here for for the, those those. Well, what what kind of debauchery have you been getting into? Shit. So I mean, in um, in uh, on Halloween. Here, yeah. With a, a couple of friends, and we're talking Halloween 2020. Like everyone wearing some form of like mask. Late night, we found a. Um, speakeasy that a friend of a friend knew of because things shut down around 11 in um, New Orleans. Now, now, when you say speakeasy, do you mean like it's part of the branding and it's like this hipster oh, IPA no, they no. brew? This or is like in the middle of like the central business district, like illegal as hell. Looks like an abandoned building, but have to go up a flight of stairs and then there's like a bar and like a like a little blue velvet looking like dance area oh, hell yeah and it was amazing it was like so appropriate and like um yeah whatever it was like dreamlike almost but then from there we kind of were just in a state and in kind of a, a mental frenzy that someone was someone mentioned actually this this woman who i met who was incredible and who was an apparent like a uh, makeup artist she was dressed as like a devil but her makeup was like impeccable like i wouldn't i wouldn't know her in like real life if i were to see her but <laughs> she kind of was like leading the way that night and was a friend of a friend so i felt safe we ended up at an underground like sex club <laughs> like, <laughs> called colette's and on top of that we like we just walked up we were just gonna walk by and just get a vibe of like the the area if like a thing was like popping or whatever and as we're walking up a side door from the entrance opens and it's a stairway into the place so we got in without even paying and it's just like this three-story um like swingers club that was like open at 3 30 in the morning and a little after that we just kind of like called it a night it was, like, <laughs> <laughs> now if you could paint the picture of what a covid sex club might look like i'm uh oh, it, yeah i mean it's just like it was i mean i kept my mask on and my <laughs> other friend did as well but the devil didn't <laughs> um, the they devil never, never does never does <laughs> 
the majority of people were not. It was just like if I was in a, a debaucherous, darkened, roomed orgy. You know, nobody was even really dressed up. It was just like people of all ages, shapes, and sizes. Um, like we're going at it. Like I pretty much saw everything you could think of. Now, hold on. Yeah. That's almost like reverse eyes wide shut where the removal of the mask marked them as an outsider. But I'm sure everybody looking at you with the mask on was probably like, oh, you're a fucking yeah, voyeur. I, there was a time when I was like, am I creeping people out? Like, maybe I should just take these things off. But I was like, I don't know. I just, nope. I, was, get- I guess. <laughs> I, look, I, I've been to those places in New Orleans. I, I grew up two hours from there. Um, keep, you should have doubled up on your mask. I am. Yeah. Wait. Have you been to Colette's then? I don't. Colette's doesn't ring a bell. Frankly, um, I've I've tried to. I I, I don't know. I I've been to one place where you um you can um uh wash a uh lady. <laughs> wait. Like that's the thing. Like you pay to wash a woman. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> Is then- that like a a personal like fetish of yours? Like, well, no, no, it was for my friend. Oh, we we um, don't have that long of a podcast. So, <laughs> so we um went down there. I've been down there many times. One time, I had won a free hotel room through a basketball game. <laughs> long story, nice. because I won a king cake eating competition. Hell yeah. Um, oh. At a halftime during a college basketball game, and so I got a free hotel room. So I went down there with two of my buddies. And we get in the hotel room, and it was just one king bed, and uh, three of us, no, wrong, four of us, yeah, four of us, one bed, uh, three of us slept in the bed that night, another had alcohol poisoning on the floor, that's a whole other story, <laughs> but we, we get there, and uh, one of my friends, he was 20, and he had a fake ID that he found on the ground, and it looked so much like him, it was scary. It was just a strictly coincidence. Whoa. But that guy at that, um, which my friend uh, later uh, described, he called it the wash-a-bitch. <laughs> he wanted to go in there. He's like, I want to wash a bitch. I want to wash a bitch. He got kicked out of there <laughs> so quick. And so I only hung around for a few moments in there because that that's not my scene. What the fuck? But I'm just, I just have never heard. I'm very like. This was, Michael, kind of this was. Place. Over a decade ago, so I, I'm not sure what the uh, wash a bitch um, if if they were able to maintain that sort of cleanliness these you days. You don't own any stock, in no, but like you know, the, the, yeah, the underground sex clubs and stuff, and then uh, you know, then we just kept, kept simple, went to a uh, a strip club on Bourbon Street because we're full of good decisions. Don't yada 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 the fucking underground sex clubs. I've never. <laughs> I now I live with Clark. Uh, we we have a very weird relationship over here where we do a podcast and program crap, but we also live together, and I have never heard this. Also, you're you're borderline like I feel like I've told this story. No. <laughs> <laughs> then we went to a strip club at, that was um it that had no cover charge. Now, if you go to a strip club with no cover charge on Bourbon Street, <laughs> you got to set yourself up for what you're walking into. Um, and, uh, all <laughs> two strippers, they came up to us. One was six foot three. And then the, another had a, she had a C-section scar. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. All right, Michael, top that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one, um, strip club on bourbon that I went with, 
an old lover of mine was a also free entry one, like in like kind of like a back alley. I think it was called like High Heels or something like that. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But it was like a trans uh, strip club, which was amazing. But like from what I remembered, there was like a glass, um, like what they were stepping on. I can't think of the platform or whatever that they were stepping on was a fish tank. Oh. Like it was and lit very well. So there's all these fish underneath. It was kind of amazing. But well, that sounds rad. Now, it was great. It was cool, yeah. Let me go ahead and weigh in here with my crazy story. Actually, I uh, hate to disappoint. I've never been to a strip club. Because I respect women unlike you two. <laughs> no, that's why we go. <laughs> I know. No, actually, I got into a big argument with somebody. I guess um, we do a lot of found footage stuff. And, Michael, this is probably why I am uh, already your number one fan. Your your style with mixed media is, uh, dude, I love it so much. And um, there's a video game out. I can't remember the title. But the whole idea is that it's uh, real footage of a girl, and she's a cam girl. And what you do is, as a v- player, you just tell her what to do. And uh, there's a lot of outrage over it because they're like, oh, this game doesn't respect women. And it's like, go watch the movie Cam, and you can understand, like, you know, women are in a power position in these things. So, yeah. To- totally. I had the I had the fear of those places growing up. Like, I, 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 felt, I feared more that I'd be in there feeling uncomfortable and halfway turned on but then being grossed out by like the men surrounding the place but then when i met like and uh befriended like sex workers and and um and dancers they like they brought me to those places and it is i i do think there's like a liberatory element to those spaces for sure oh for sure having said this i'm still not a huge fan of the scene (laughs) it does make me uncomfortable and also i just have this thing i have it with restaurants i just have it in general where if i go into a place and there is poor lighting i want to know why oh i like it i like a dim (laughs) light if it's if it's dark in here it's dark for a reason yeah but you're like hosing a bitch down in an alley i again (laughs) that was the support of a friend (laughs) no and um, while we're talking, I'm up here. I'm trying to find the title of the um, short you just sent us because I think it's a really easy segue, but I don't see it on your IMDb. I also don't oh. see one of my favorite shorts on here, which is the, um, uh, what the fuck is it called? Garfield Estate Sale? What the hell's going on? What? Oh, I, IMDb, I feel like is like the worst platform, like so unintuitive. I've tried and they they make you like pay to add stuff and like, I think my profile doesn't have a photograph, and I was just like, I don't know, fuck it. Like I, I kind of <laughs> gave up on the, I gave up on IMDb. Seriously, like no disrespect, but like they they made me work too hard to like even like um, add anything on there. But um, I I should probably take a second look, at hey, it, especially because they're our sponsor. We're sorry, IMDb. No, <laughs> so uh, if you're like a half wit journalist, like we pretend to be, it's kind of the only work we put in. <laughs> <laughs> so when I'm trying to when I'm trying to find the uh, very interesting possible tease for a feature about the porn store, the booth, the booth, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure thing. Yeah. Um, if you are familiar, um, in the back of some adult bookstores, there's these like private viewing arcades. They call them, and it's literally just like a hallway full of doors with closet-sized rooms where you can um, preview or watch pornography. But um, naturally, over the decades, they became a spot for like cruising and um, anonymous sex and, and these kind of things. But uh, yeah, I mean, growing up, um, I'm not too sure of y'all's age, but um, you know, I grew up in the, in the time where like, I 
wanted to see a, a, a naked woman really badly and it was very hard like I, the only outlet was like potential magazines that I could find underage and um these places that I wasn't able to get in because I was like under 18 but uh yeah the 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 first time I was exposed to a quote-unquote booth or adult private viewing arcade I was um underage drinking like in a park with a couple of older friends that at the end of the night um like suggested we go to the booth and this was like Ooh. something I had never heard of and I was excited about it and a little terrified but um actually I tried to 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 I went with them to go I was like I think 17 or 16 at the time and right away and I already and at that time I was like I, I was 16 but I looked like 12 and um I tried to get in they didn't let me in so I had to stay in the car while all my friends went to this strange place I waited a good like 10 minutes they all came back and they all came back with like different experiences like one was terrified one was like relieved one was like like ready to go to sleep and um I just like this image of this place was so surreal and bizarre that I just immediately became infatuated with it and as soon as I was 18 I went to one and I went to one just to consume and watch like pornography that I didn't have access to um but immediately was it opened a world of all varieties of and outlets of pornography and um also like I re quickly realized there was other things going on there and I've been <laughs> and I've, this was in Miami this was in Miami yeah and the place that I'm referring to is still open but um yeah I've been I've been I had been going to these places uh for a while here and there and um then just kind of forgot about them and then I started writing a narrative that took place in one of these back room hidden back room like viewing booths and then I was like let me just pursue it as a documentary first to really fully understand if it's like an obsolete space if it's even still thriving and um to my surprise it's like still a th thriving like underground outlet which is is strange with like the accessibility of like pornography and stuff like this but it's um yeah i i even know places now in, in you know during coronavirus quarantine that are still open and you know it's kind of don't ask don't tell things that happen behind these doors but God, yeah i mean i guess to to uh answer the question i i i wanted to really fully understand the the origin and what they represent to all different communities and um, before I went into like a narrative, you know, but, um, yeah, I think well, I'm, I'm curious what a, what a feature length narrative of yours would look like. Now I'm familiar with, um, your cat trilogy and I just watched the booth, but you've got a style that trying to describe it to, um, people listening. I now tell me if I'm wrong, you most strike me as a harmony Corinne kind of like where he uses audio and video out of sync to kind of. I don't know. It, it feels like, oh, I'm trying not to say poetry, something not as lame. It's almost like a uh, more effective use of time where we'll see images from the past with current audio and um, every form of media. Like you've used security footage, phone footage, hidden camera footage. And I'm when you approach a feature, are you going to stay in that avenue or are you going to go more uh, traditional? I mean, I appreciate that question. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, and you know, mentioning Harmony Green for sure. As a child, I, you know, 
watching Gummo as a child totally shook me and opened up like different horizons of how a narrative could be told. And it was, it felt very like comfortable for me to kind of see that kind of work and understand that it can become, I guess, like quote unquote mainstream or whatever. Um, but yeah, I feel like I would like to think I have two different flavors and um, with money, I make a, a different kind of movie and without, I make an, a, another kind. But um, I am, I, you know, like, I don't think I could put a viewer through an hour and a half of like Valerio's day out imagery or like these kind of things. It's just too hyper cut and, and uh, retains a lot at, at one point i think that i'm i'm interested in in telling a narrative kind of at, at a slower pace but um we'll all, see you know, all right maybe now just... hold on let's go back to valerio now you're talking about like it demands a lot and you're correct it it really demands an audience to pay attention because we're using so many it's like a visual collage with audio landscapes and it's really this media collaboration to tell a story that if you remove one element it's not going to work and um valerio actually um so bill sent that to me as an example of your work and i thought it was perfect it's a faux documentary but actually can you can you set it up sure i mean um yeah uh, based on a true story two years ago um i live within a mile of the Audubon Zoo in New Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, one morning, kind of groggy, drinking some coffee, my roommate at the time came to me with the news that a jaguar escaped his enclosure and went on a killing spree, which definitely alludes to, like, the first things you think of is, like, you know, it, it left the zoo. It's, like, destroying people <laughs> uptown New Orleans, like, in, in the street, you know, jumping on cars. Yeah. So I immediately became obsessed. I found all the articles relating to it and i really love um i'm really attracted to like fear-mongering media and just like how media latches on to things and new orleans you know it's uh it's a small city with like a big heart but at the same rate it like has all the elements of a small city and they held on to this story for like a good like four weeks you know everything from like two weeks later you know the fox in critical condition uh, now dies but yeah i mean really the the uh the jaguar escaped his enclosure at the zoo and went on a killing spree within the premise of the zoo and slaughtered a bunch of or like a bunch of animals and um yeah they they in the articles they you know gave all the the names of these animals and valerio was this they kind of spoke about him like uh, as a serial killer and i fell in love with the, the concept so i I started writing um, like a diary entry from the perspective of Valerio, like post escape and, and capture. Dude, I could not love that short more. And uh, for a brief moment, we have a small team of people that we work with on the um, unnamed footage festival. Has Bill talked to you at all about that? He has. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, very, very interested. Okay. In yeah. That, Cause that. yeah, we can talk about that later, but and I, I was so excited. I'm like, oh, this is one of those gems. Like, I'm that kind of guy. I love to buy random movies and put myself through punishment and then <laughs> find moments that are great and then share them with people. I'm sure you're right there. You got fucking theater seats in your front room. I know you are. And I was so jazzed. And I'm like, dude. And then I showed uh, our buddy who's on our writing team. And he went, oh, I know this. I saw it at the Alamo. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what the hell? What kind of a... Uh, 
what kind of reach did this hit? Did, it played what Cans or Tiff? It, no? Sundance. It, Sundance. Was, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was. We were very lucky to have the project uh, screened at Sundance, and um, from there, naturally, kind of like doors open up, which was huge and ex- extremely exciting for a movie like Valeria's Day Out, and. Um, I believe it was the Alamo crew reached out to me, and I know a, a couple of the the programmers there. They were experimenting with putting shorts in front of features um, that kind of maybe communicate to each other. I still haven't seen the movie, but it, it's a uh, shit. Is it called Come to Daddy with Elijah Wood? Oh, yeah, okay. it played in front of Come to Daddy. It, really? Yeah, yeah. It, it played in front. Which I yeah, I don't even know how they communicate, but I'm excited to see it. But yeah. I've seen both. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Also, I love your short. Don't love that movie. I think I am alone on on our uh, show in that regard. But yeah, you're if okay. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah, no. And Valerio, I ah oh, man. Now I get very defensive about shit like Valerio, where you've you've got a style that I love. You're telling a story that I I love. I also I am obsessed with like internet um internet relics and uh, fear mongering media. So it's very close to me. And when I think about it playing before Come to Daddy, I'm like, do you think the Alamo is latching on to the um, Werner Herzog voice? Do you think they were doing like a cutesy thing? Oh, I mean, is there an element of of that in uh, Come to Daddy? Is there like a a voiceover thing? Eh, It's kind of like a dark comedy. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of, I don't know. I would call it like fucking hipster. I don't know. I don't know. I'm harsh on those films. I it would fall into my category of cool guy films, where it's kind of like a uh, echo of Tarantino with like a new veneer. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I've I've heard that before. Like people have um, commented on, on the similarity of like Werner Herzog's uh, voice. But um, I mean, whatever. Just to be geeky about it, I intentionally was like, it needs to be a foreign voice. And I, I originally and Valerio, the name and where you know, Jaguars actually come from is, uh, you know, South America, Amazon. Um, so I originally, like, before casting my good friend Monica, um, who did the voice of Valeria, she's Polish, she has a, a beautiful, charming um, accent, and I've worked with her a lot, but I tried to uh, record um, Valerio, like, in Spanish from the, uh, like, a little, like, an 8 to 12-year-old boy, because Valerio was, like, 3 years old when he escaped, but I went, like, that deep, and I was just, like, I was just trying to to really make it work, but the 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 little the young voice didn't work. It was just like a little more silly. So we working with Monica like just worked out. I think. Yeah, I like as an audience with uh, no introduction. I thought it was. I'm like, oh, is he doing like a uh, Werner Herzog thing? And I'll tell you what it does is it really makes the film inviting from the beginning, and uh, for a kind of a dark narrative, I think it really works well for it. Like, how, how did you get her voice to sound like that? She naturally has a really interesting cadence and in, uh, the way she speaks. And also she, you know, she tried to tap into a little bit of like a somber um, Jaguar post escape now captured. But um, it's it's pitched, <laughs> you know, it's also it's pitched like a, a couple notches down and maybe, you know, and uh, yeah. And the sound designer, uh George Michael Parker, he kind of added, I don't even know how to talk about it because I'm, I'm not as, as talented as him. He added like, what is this 
uh, Tiger's growl or like purr undertone every time like she hit a certain like octave or something like this. But so it's a combination of those. Dude, that's so rad. Like I, th- I think what makes your art really work is those little details. Like, um, I just had the pleasure of showing Clark the first of the feline trilogy, the, uh, Garfield estate sale. <laughs> and we latched onto the song at the end of that. And I have to try and get it from you. You, you know what <laughs> oh, I'm talking I'll, about, right? I'll, I'll get it to you for sure. Yeah. That's, um, Garfield. my, um, <laughs> ex-partner courtney we were we just got our, our loop pedal and we were always experimenting with different sounds and stuff and we had like a, a trailer full of garfield memorabilia so we just kind of went at it it's a long loop of different variations of us singing garfield <laughs> <laughs> it reminded us of the uh the normal song um what is it warm leatherette yeah oh yes i love that song dude it was it's perfect wait so did you make up that whole narrative no, actually, it's 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 based on um, mildly the truth that I used to go to this auction house in Thomasville, Georgia, in the middle of nowhere, um, and they had amazing stuff. They had like uh, Saturday was more like junky, trashy estate sale, like runoff stuff, and Sunday was more like you know like food or whatever. But the Saturday um, was great, and they had literally like. I want to say like 15 boxes of Garfield memorabilia that um, nobody was interested um, into getting. <laughs> oh, and, poor Jim Davis. And, yeah, seriously, poor Jim Davis. Uh, but I, it was just like stacked in the, like stacked in the back, and they tried they tried starting out the auction at three dollars, and nobody there wanted it. So like, I just was sitting with it, and I just could, I just was looking at this stack of Garfield shit, and I went to the people after they're like shutting down i was like hey like how much would y'all charge me just to like take all the garbage stuff and they, <laughs> they i think it was like something like 13 dollars or something and i packed my like minivan full of stuff and and kind of went with it but yeah they, you got all that shit t- for 13 dollars <laughs> yeah within within and and i was also like one of my side hustles was like selling on ebay at that time so we had this concept to make like a commercial for all this garfield shit and it kind of just like came together and the people at the auction told me that it was this it came from this woman who lived in a trailer about maybe four miles from mine and um yeah she she died alone and that this was her collection of of garfield stuff so i i naturally became obsessed with that concept as well so were you able to unload all of the garfield stuff or do you still have some of it i i i ended up making a good like i think like 380 (laughs) dollars hell yeah (laughs) Like I, they had ice skates, they had every all these kind of like a telephone. It was, you know, I, I guess there's still huge Garfield fanatics out there. Uh, yeah, the For I sure. uh, like you know they exist. You hope it's not in your neighborhood. And then, um, have you <laughs> have you seen um? I think you should leave the Tim Robinson bit he did on that. No, I haven't heard of this. Yeah, yeah. show on Netflix. Uh, comedian Tim Robbins. He's got a um, Tim Robbins. I get it mixed up. Yeah, I think you should leave his name of his uh, sketch show. And there was a sketch he did where uh, they were doing an intervention uh, for one of their friends, and they went to this house. One of their one of oh, the oh shit, I have seen. Yeah, it. okay, yeah. <laughs> and, and sorry to just inter- interrupt, but like um, the way I know about this is because of after creating Garfield Estate Sale, a friend of mine 
uh, linked me up with this uh, painter from DC. Uh, her Instagram is something like Garfield from Memory. And her thing is like she obsessively daily paints uh, Garfield um, in like a, takes a Devo cover and makes it Garfield. And it's, <laughs> it's absurd and, and amazing. And I, the, uh, my friend connected us and we naturally hit it off. And I have like five of her paintings in my, in my house. But um, Garfield oh. from Memory. Yeah, she 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 turned me on to that. She showed me the that short. It was really good. Oh, we're looking at it now. <laughs> we're looking at her uh, Instagram page. <laughs> Princess Diana. Yes, yes. R.I.P. Oh, it's very Dude, good. Uh, in some of these, it vaguely looks like Valerio. We got wa- <laughs> Yeah. We got Washington crossing the Potomac. Oh, it's very nice. Now, cats are clearly a thing. And I'd be amiss if I didn't bring up the, uh, the closing of the trilogy. But I want to tread lightly here because I know the story is very personal. So, and, and to before I go too far, the booth is not available online yet, right? It's not. I'm I'm attempting at trying to like I'm in communication with a uh, few people attempting at making it maybe like a docu series kind of thing and exploring other kind of places of of like coded language. I have a bunch of other subjects that it could expand to like a potential feature, but I like. I don't really know what to do with it yet. I'm also like in the midst of uh, other things, but yeah. I, I think you got a talent of working with people too. Now in your three, um, in the feline trilogy, there's everything's pretty much under your control, but in the booth, we get to see you talk to the owner of the store. And what it read to me was he's clearly a character and um, he's got a back room full of cats. Which Clark was like, is everything a fucking cat with this guy? <laughs> but that just came that just came naturally. I like was like, I mean, it's hard, you know, like just given the the context of these spaces, you know, everything's grounded in secrecy and coded language. And like I went to every single um, adult bookstore like south of Fort Lauderdale in um in South Florida. And, you know, there's a lot of these private viewing booth still in existence but you know to just get like a subject or a space or like someone who works in these spaces like it just like i had a camera i had my sound guy and we just like walked in and as soon as we walked in there was like booths to the right and like fat cats like lounging on like dvds uh, and like magazines just like in this place and it was just like entirely fascinating like the secret corner to the right but then this like cat sanctuary amongst like pornography and dildos i <laughs> know it seemed like the perfect thing for you but also it gave me a chance to see how you treated um oh man a thing me and clark talk about here like i have uh, been trapped in california my whole life but clark's been around he's been around washing bitches and alleys in New Orleans. <laughs> and uh you know we we always end up talking about how uh, a lot of the a lot of hollywood likes to punch down on the south and they really like to kind of treat them like, oh, look at these dumb hicks. And it always makes me feel good when we can get a uh, Errol Morris or a a type of um, filmmaker who can handle an interesting character, but with like some levity and like totally. n- neutral. And you did it. And that guy seemed like you could have you could have cut a whole thing out of him and made some controversy. But he was he seemed great. Yeah, he's amazing. Like that's it's totally like the character. Or, or subject that um that people latch on to easily and i've yeah i've often i have so much more footage of him and his story is just like complex and you know he's invited me back he's like 
sent me some like old eight millimeter pornography that was in the back, like in the mail <laughs> to me. Like, <laughs> are there cats where, in it? Where there's not cats in it. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, he he's he's complex and interesting. Like I I often thought of doing just a short on him. I think would be even better than just the booth. You know, sounds like you got a features worth on uh, that guy. Dude, yeah, maybe. <laughs> dude, but you I, handling like how much footage did you have of that adult store? Oof. Um, I have so much. I have a lot of other footage that's not even incorporated into that piece. And, um, you know, that's the nature of the beast with, like, documentaries. It's just, like, there's so much footage and different characters. And, um, yeah, like, I, I've had – I got access to a few people that used to um, fix these adult private bookstores in, like, the heart of, like, New York City and Times Square when it was, like, huge in, in the – in the 70s and and that culture and stuff but uh yeah i also have a lot of stuff that i haven't even really touched just because it, it's uh it's so time consuming so how many out, how many hours do you think you have oh shit <laughs> yeah how many hours do you think you have on a drive at home shit i uh i have a good terabyte worth of video that is just i mean the nature of the video it's, it's large anyways but um i would say i have a good like eight more subjects that, that I, I would like to explore within this, like under this under umbrella. But yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's the point I usually try to make when we are talking about found footage horror too. Like when you're trying to craft a believable narrative, a lot of the time you're looking for privileged moments and things that just, you know, ring true. And dude, we, we talk to people like, um, our buddy, Adam Stilwell, who worked on the triangle and he was talking about how they had a hundred hours of footage. That yeah, you're, you're, you're trying to craft a narrative out of. And I think you do a really good job of making an entertaining, but entertaining and moving narrative. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see you to work with more um, people like in, in the wild. Actually, have hey. you, what's that show you turned me on to Clark? Uh, how was it made? How was it made? What, what is it called? The one with the scaffolding? Oh, uh, how to with John Wilson. Have you seen that? I'm no, oh, John Wilson. Holy shit. He's amazing. I, yeah. I, yeah. Um, I know him. He's great. Yeah. He's, uh, I've been a fan of his work for, for a while. You know, he's like, a, yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's hyper talented. Have you seen his new HBO show? I haven't. I heard about it though. Isn't there some, um, relation to what's the other comic guy? Uh, I think he might've produced it. Nathan for Na you. Nathan Filder. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's producing it. It is, it's wild, man. Dude, Michael, I think it would be completely up your alley. And I would try to describe it, except uh, that's kind of a bit with the show. It's like, what the, what the fuck is the show? <laughs> because it will start with how to upholster your furniture, but then it turns into this deep um, human narrative. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. He's a special artist for sure. Yeah. So you got to watch that. Um, also, uh, people listening, I'm going to put it, all this in the show notes because your Vimeo actually has a lot of your film on it. Yeah, I, I, I try to keep that updated. I think there's, yeah, I think there's a few things up there, yeah. Yeah. So, but, so Russ, you want to circle back to uh, Paloma? Yeah. And um, so I don't, is Paloma on, available on your Vimeo? I know you. I just finished it. I just like there's still some like holes in it. I feel like that I'd maybe like to explore. Um, but I was lucky to have it um, play at an outdoor screening 
at the New Orleans Film Festival that just happened like uh, a week ago. So we finished it up in time for that. And I was just like kind of excited to see it for the and nervous to see it with like an audience, you know. Now, but, um, can you set it up? Well, first of all, how, so how was that experience to have an outdoor film festival during all this? It was, it was, it was strange, you know, it was like, it was exciting because we haven't really been to a cinema during these times. So it was like, you know, it was outdoor. It was a very spread out seating and you um, have to wear masks, although they sold like booze and stuff. So you're kind of sipping on the side under your mask and stuff. But uh, it was nice. It was like, I think scary for some people, but like, uh, I was excited to see it with an audience and just to see what it does because I don't, I've only seen it with like the collaborators and, and Bill and, you know, um, how was the turnout? Yeah. What's that? How was the turnout? It, it well, there, I think it was really, it, yeah, I think the turnout was well, I think it was like capped at a certain minimum of people who could go in and it seemed like there was a bunch of people there. Like it was, yeah, I was like fucking nervous, but, uh, um, I felt good about it. Yeah. Now, can you set up Paloma? Like I, sure, sure. yeah. So I'll set it up like, um, you know, finding, discovering this, this, this character. Um, I think her character and story is a lot more exciting. So I'll just, I'll talk about her as if, if, if it was a narrative and I think she would make an inc- incredible and complex villain in a like narrative psychological horror. <laughs> For <kind of>. sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she, so there is a woman who lives currently uh, a block away um, from me on a parallel street. She owns two seemingly looking pit bulls, but they're of different varieties, like a American Staffordshire and a American Bully, something like this. But they, to a a cat person, it looks like two kind of tiny pit bulls. And uh, finding out from the neighbors um, who completely threw her under the bus, um, just kind of trying to find this woman. Um, she is an avian veterinarian and um, has a natural distaste for the feline species because from what I imagine, the majority of the birds that come into her hospital are like mangled by a cat of some sort or just like, you know, half eaten. And um, she is notorious in the neighborhood for allowing her her dogs to kill feral cats in the neighborhood. And um, she identifies the feral cats because they have like an ear tip snipped ear and um, she has learned the rules, the legal rules of like where and when they can be, you know, killed and she wouldn't have to take responsibility. Wait, wait, for it. So you can legally kill feral cats? Well, I mean, you could, I mean, in claim of defense or just like a dog and cat, you know, like beyond a, a, a proper, be, like and the sidewalk level is like anarchy battlefields for, for these, uh, the, the cat and dog or whatever, you know? Yeah, like, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, long story short, unfortunately, we had a cat that that we loved dearly um, attacked and killed by these dogs, and um, right before like quarantine, and I had been experimenting with spy glasses, and me and my roommates at the time were like, "Hey, let's just like try to go find this human and and see what's happened." And my I wasn't actually here when it happened, and my roommate um, who was like frantic called me up. I was at work. You know, is holding this like our cat with its like guts spilling out, and I think she made the wrong decision by bringing it to a vet, which then racked like in like I think quickly like seven thousand dollar bill. Oh. So our intention was to be like you know 
our cat's gone, whatever, we have to get over it. Um, we were obviously like upset, but um, we just wanted to find this woman because we heard kind of mixed things around the neighborhood and she sounded like a character. And um, we, w our main intention was to see if she'd be willing to like throw down on some of the, the bills because we just like straight up could not afford it. But um, yeah, like finding her and within the first like 10 seconds of, of uh, being introduced to her, you know, she was just immediately this kind of like um, absurdist, like Karen esque, like human that was just like ready to defend herself and um, was prepared for the conversation. And it was almost like, I think, like me and Catherine, my roommate at the time, were kind of more sound like we're fumbling and, and whatever and weren't prepared even to even like deal with this person. But yeah, that's so. Uh, so you're short. You you end up. Uh, did Bill work on a cat puppet? He sure did. Yeah. He also there's like this kind of dream sequence gore scene where, well, this this woman claims that you know, the our cat leaped from the porch and you know attacked her while she was like walking her two pitbulls, which hey is possible maybe you know I don't know. <laughs> I, it was it was a very sweet like and gentle cat and like it just seemed out of ca character but uh we i really wanted to kind of show that image you know um of, of that happening and, and bill was like hell yeah let's do it and bill on the other hand to go back to bill bill was like lit like bill was like please show, give me this woman's address like, <laughs> of course. like he was prepared like and i was like i don't know if that's a good idea but um yeah like um yeah, we, we it was it was an intuitive thing, kind of like uh, Garfield Estate Sale and Valerio's Day Out and Impulsive and, and Obsessive is why they kind of speak to each other. Um, we had this spy footage, spyglass footage of um, our interaction with this woman. I looked at the legal um, repercussions that could happen with even putting it in like a form of uh, cinema or something. But um, yeah, the, the movie is actually is legal to to produce and make and sell but uh there's like a moral you know issue that i think some people have with but uh whatever yeah. the, it would have been worse if you let bill go over there with the spy glasses and that's it turns true. into like yeah. a home invasion film yeah that's that's the sequel for sure now but what we end up with is we have a narrative um driven by looks like a paper mache puppet oh yeah that's actually this um this like mangled dilapidated little cat toy from the 30s i found in an antique shop but um we Whoa. we 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 shot it we photographed it and like broke it into sections and then transferred that 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 image uh through magnetic tape and then back digitally so it has this like fuzzy strange paper mache like um deteriorated look but now i i will say that is part of my favorite of your aesthetic it's just you can tell every aspect of what's going on on frame has been like lovingly looked after and um, art artfully destroyed <laughs> or distorted. <laughs> like everything has its own life in your film. And we're opened up with what feels like should be a warm, cuddly, like almost like cartoon, which I'm now learning is a toy that was chopped up. And uh, they're narrating the story and we cut to, to I'm guessing uh, you and your roommate in a car with what you had a camera in between the lenses on a uh, pair of glasses. No, like the, it's like a legit like spy cam. Um, they're kind of like nerdy looking library, big black frame librarian glasses. 
um, with an embedded um, camera in the middle and also a tiny microphone on the side of it. So they look, they're pretty believable, which is kind of terrifying. It makes me question everything in the world, but they, uh, yeah, they're just like little little glasses, the, the same weight and size of a pair of glasses that you can imagine. And they record um, pretty high definition footage in, in like daylight. Yeah, and it goes right to your phone. I actually had an interaction with a dude at a previous job I worked at who wore a pair all day, walked around, and then at lunch I saw him reviewing the footage on his phone. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And he's like, oh, dude, check it out. I bought these online. And I'm like, that can't be legal, especially <laughs> looking at what he was looking at on them. Uh, yeah. So they're kind of shady. But uh, do I know this guy? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you about it. Off. Thank you so much. Um, uh, <laughs> no, but it's it's crazy because your stuff. Oh, God. The, here. Here's my uh, get your drinks ready. In the pursuit of verisimilitude. God. It gets tricky when you're trying to portray reality and you're she's almost such a fucking villain that it feels like you wrote this character i i I, at first i was you know that's what we were going to go with as a production that it was a total cast and um you know an actor that delved deep into this like this hyper extended version of a karen and i think that was the way we were like gonna battle with the legal issues surrounding it but like um, we looked into it, and especially in Louisiana, like there's like a one-party consent rule, which is twisted. But um, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> but um, which is is rare in in the United States. I think like um, Nash, Tennessee has um, that rule as well. Some other places, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, a couple people that like we some of the things that I'm still interested in potentially like attempting at fictionalizing and getting and and fucked up by not wearing the spy glasses when we initially went into the neighborhood and just tried to find this person like everybody that we kind of knocked in their house or saw out outside like had a distaste for this woman and um you know kind of spoke uh low of her and kind of threw her under the bus and gave us the information that uh added to the complexity of this this human that she is an avian veterinarian. It's known in the neighborhood that she does this to cats. Like the cat owners have to be aware, and especially cat owners that take in feral cats and whatever. And it, we were just like, holy shit. But that information, I think, is also what's kind of missing. So I've tried to reach out to a couple <laughs> actors to fictionalize that, you know. But um, it's interesting because some of the actors that I've uh, spoke with are initially excited and like, oh my God, where did you find this woman? She's amazing. She does such a great job. But then when I give them the information that it's like obviously against her will, I guess, um, uh, they are a little more weary to like be involved in the project. So I've that's something I'm working out, I guess. Now, you just got to find animal activists. They won't give a fuck. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> then, then the third act of yeah. your movie could be uh, it's like slightly different looking footage. And, you know, the audience will assume like, oh, I guess we're going back, but it's at night. And then, uh, you know, we break a window, climb in see a bunch of upside down crosses with parakeets on them and stuff and <laughs> cats being Holy hung. Shit. I got, yeah. I think Peter has to like fund the, the narrative feature. I got to reach out. Oh dude, they'll fund it, but her house will get burned down. So as long as we're cool with that. Yeah. Also, yeah. I, I hope your, your legal um, consultant wasn't a Google search. And <laughs> no, no I, I, within my work and within my, I, I have uh, luckily uh, a few people 
entertainment lawyers, like copyright lawyers that I, I'm lucky to to reach out to and pick their brains. They obviously I'm not going to mention their names or or anything, but um, good. You know, I mean, <laughs> in, in all reality, like straight up the the I could be sued for defamation from this this woman, but um, from the information that I gathered, that it wouldn't necessarily hold up in court. And she's also saying everything she wants to say you know it's just a matter of it turning into a form of like entertainment where then you know it could you know fuck up her career or something but uh i don't even think i mean this move she would ever see this movie also fuck her (laughs) thank you for saying yeah i'm right there with you but uh, she does strike me as a person who may be a little litigious (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i wish you nothing but the best now, fuck her. And also, you know, I would argue if you went to court that you're, you're on the Errol Morris side of this thing with like the thin blue line. You're like, no, I'm using art to like reveal the truth. And uh, technically it might be parody. So, you know, fuck off. Yeah, that I is agree. true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. She, she doesn't. It won't hold up for sure. But yeah, but we yeah, love you I, and we I, need you not to be in jail. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. I'm a, also a huge Errol Morris fan. I love his work and you know something that really inspired me growing up was like what is it the he had like an hbo show of like he delved into people's jobs i forget what it's called um oh i don't know there's so many ways you could have went with that like vernon florida we get the like interesting characters vernon florida is my favorite or pet cemetery of all time yeah his first one where he does like the pet cemetery or yeah thin blue line like you're doing right there but now i gotta find this show yeah, I forget what it's called. Uh, for yeah, it's it's yeah. I recommend it I'll, when I figure yeah. it out. Google fails me. Google's evil. Fuck you, Google. Yeah, I don't know. I'll find it. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, yeah, Michael, th- thank you for making that. I'm sure it must have been an emotional project to work on. I mean, I I've seen it three times now, and I always think it's gonna be like, oh, this time it won't affect me, but I, it actually gets harder each time I watch it. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate you saying that. I, I am kind of conscious that it's not like my best work, but uh, I, I'm interested in kind of uh, challenging myself and putting myself in like a vulnerable space. And yeah, it's like, you know, a, a, a project that I was able to do like it during, you know, quarantine, um, you know, that kind of thing. I yeah. guess. Now, um, as somebody who spends too much time talking to Bill on the phone, He's giving me a little insider stuff on uh, something y'all are boiling up. Can you talk at all about it? Like even a tease? Sure, sure, sure. I I, I don't want to spoil too much about something that's like in in the works and not yeah. it, it, like feasible to to grab and and watch. Um, but it's a, a larger scale uh, feature length project that um we're in the uh, pre production period in. Um, I won't say much, but there is like I really love challenging myself within genres and like creating my own genres and um and these kind of things like for example i feel like i consider like valeria's day out a documentary and um in in a sense like uh, paloma's pit as well but um i got excited um because valerio's day out was lucky to be in a lot of genre based club like um film festivals and um kind of was was consumed a lot by the the horror community and this kind of thing and had a lot of people asking if i've ever written or directed or produced something under the umbrella of horror and although i'm a huge uh, horror sci-fi fan i haven't so 
um, I was like, what would be my voice within that genre? And I kind of got excited by making um, a horror film under the umbrella of like disaster porn or and like uh, fear mongering media and um, and these kind of things. I kind of came up with a um, concept with my partner of like a mellow trauma and a <laughs> <laughs> and a, so it's it's a psychological horror. It's a, a swampy um, backwards kind of love letter and middle finger to uh, southern Louisiana. And there is, without spoiling anything, a, a character and community that is like this subhuman uh, species that is reminiscent of like a nutria, if you're familiar. Oh, you? oh I am far too familiar. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know about nutrias. Yeah. And Fucking I, hate them. I, <laughs> I mean, they're like, a, they're invasive and eroding the land. And they're just like this strange Awful. water rodent with orange teeth. They're, they're incredible. And, and, um, I got excited about kind of combining this like subhuman subservient species um, that surrounds this family that is the uh, like humanoid and they kind of are this invasive kind of nutria human species. And um, uh, I've been in, in the larger conversation with, with Bill about designing one of these characters. So that's something we've been working at and, understanding if we want to go all the way like big snouts or you know just mess with the teeth and cast correctly um but yeah it's like a, a subhuman kind of like uh trust punk um train hopper community that are like neutral <laughs> fuck i am so on board if you start doing like a kickstarter or a fundraiser or anything or even just promise me a prop i will throw money at you oh hell yeah all right <laughs> you reaching out also um Jugface, I recommend that. That's a good like southern little community thing if you haven't seen it. I haven't Jugface. Jugface? Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm on a roll. One more. Have you seen Catsick Blues? Shit, no, I haven't. No. Fuck. Okay, so Catsick Blues, that's just a personal one. You as a cat guy and uh if you're going to start flirting with horror, you will love that one. Dave Jackson, he's a weirdo like us moved to Japan. Um and then uh, Jugface too. Actually, we've had both the directors on the show before. So, oh no way! So we're, I, I can't. Yeah, see, shameless promotion. Yeah, once w once you're in our network, you can never get away. So I, <laughs> I'm warning you now. Also, Michael. check out RoboCop if you've never seen it. <laughs> also, yeah. fantastic movie. RoboCop two. Holy shit! That like corrupted me as a child. Like I saw that way too young. Have you ever seen RoboCop two, Clark? No. My God. <laughs> You fucking poser. We can dude. take care of that today. Okay. <laughs> well, Michael, this was a blast, man. Uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us, man, and, and telling us about the new project. Well, and uh, man, anything you got, we're right there with you, man. Hey, I really appreciate you guys having me on, and honored to be on, and love what you guys are doing, and let's stay in touch. Yeah, let's do it. everybody out there listening, uh, write his name down because you're going places, my friend. I appreciate like you, Valerio. Man. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. <laughs>